Jacob. Yes. Do your Ed Sullivan. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special show tonight. Yeah, that's better. That's better. <laughs> oh, good. Awesome. Oh, good. Before we get live. I was a little worried there. <laughs> I know. We were, we were trying to debate who does a... Uh, because yours was too high-pitched, I think. It was too straightforward. And uh, mine was way too like Richard Nixon, you know, just kind of mumbling, I don't know. And then we listened to a clip, and we're like, oh, shit, neither one of us sound anything like him. <laughs> For the love of God, just do the damn show. <laughs> Fuck off, you dick. <laughs> uh, hey, everybody. It is nearly the holidays. I fucking hate Christmas now, so we're not going to talk about anything Christmassy. We're going to discuss the Clone Wars uh, series. I know it's really, really new. We're supposed to be a retro show. Fucking sue me. Um, you know, I, it, the original rules were it had to be 20 years or older, and sometimes we vary off. Like, we did the Adult Swim Chronicles, and those were, what, like 15 years old at the time? And Yeah. Uh, I feel like we've done a couple of those, like Samurai Jack and stuff like that. Um, the show is changing. Uh, we've told you this now for a while, that the show is going to end sometime in 2018. Uh, it, we won't stop talking about animation, but it opens up the field to not just talking about animation. We can talk about old stuff and new stuff. On this new show, we can talk about video games, we can talk about TV and movies, and whatever, like, it just interests us. It doesn't even have to be all nerd culture. Now, we're not going to reveal the name of the show, because I know one of you fuckers is going to steal it, and then we'll be screwed. Um, <laughs> but, but, if we said it first, we can trademark it, and then, and then we no, can no. shoot whoever tries to steal that title. No, we're going we're gonna to get some artwork up, and we're going to get it official. This is kind of a test episode. We're going to oh, discuss good. Star Wars, but we'll discuss some other stuff if we feel like it. Uh, also, the thing that's going to change next year is I'm going to open a Patreon or a fundraiser of some sort, like Kickstarter. I don't know. Uh, we need new equipment. I have been throwing money into this for four years now with nothing coming back. Uh, I know that sounds greedy and selfish, but seriously, it's been next year will be our fifth year at this. Five? Wait, hold on. Yeah, 14. Yeah, it will be the beginning of year five. Can you believe that? Oh, my God. Right? I, I didn't even realize it until I just said it. I was about to say fourth, and I started adding up. I was like, no, wait, no, we're completing year four. Yeah, so, um, not that I'm demanding, and, I, and I'm not going to be one of those fucking assholes like the guy at the Classic Game Room who uh, decided, oh, I'm not making enough money at this. Uh, I'm going to shut it down, and then he opens up a Patreon the next week and gets $10,000 a fucking month. $10,000 a month? I'd be glad with 10 bucks a month. <laughs> my gosh that just shows how humble we are my god man yeah i just and he he was already making money he just wasn't making enough money to his liking i started looking into some of these people and how much they're making for their youtube videos like some of the top guys especially in nerd culture and i'm, I'm mm -hmm. shocked they're pulling in like minimum like 5k a month that's more than either one of us i think make put together pretty much yeah yeah i mean some of these people like, are pulling that's in like 25 double yeah, what is it, a, a video game nerd? I, mean, I think he's pulling in like $100,000 a month. That's insane. Oh, angry, oh, angry video game nerd? Yeah, he pulls in like that much because it's, it's not just an angry video game nerd. It's, uh, you know, the, the, the full gameplays, the movie reviews. Uh, he does Cinemassacre. And, uh, of course, oh, yeah. mind you, he has more equipment and more time he's put into these. We kind of half-ass some of this stuff. I wonder how much video game junkie makes. I'm really curious. That guy is very spot on with game... Uh criticism yeah he's also hilarious my god look him up yeah and, and here's the evolution of the show over the four years that we've been doing this because we are almost to year four uh we started off with uh movie commentary tracks where we sat there for an hour and a half and bullshitted uh and for long gaps <laughs> yeah, say nothing. Yeah. That, that was that was a terrible idea um 
It's it, actually I just did one for Thanksgiving for a WKRP episode. It's much easier to do a commentary track in 22 minutes, not so much for 220 minutes. Oh God, no. Uh, I mean, shit. <laughs> Sometimes, like during Caddyshack, we didn't know what to say. We were just too busy enjoying Rodney Dangerfield right, say his one right. Um, we did Retro Rocket Entertainment News, which is kind of like a, uh, what we're thinking of doing for the next show, but really like more organized, special segments, um, and it was a stupid name. Retro Rocket Entertainment? Come on, no one knew what the fuck that was. They didn't even know what the meaning of that was, so we have a better idea. And we always loved doing that show. We just never found an audience. I mean, it was pathetic. It was like 30 downloads a month. And we're like, oh, fuck me. And now, you know, you look at what we get now, and it's like 3,000 a month. And we're like, hey, let's continue this trend. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no. Honestly, Michael, if someone's going to fuck you, you make sure they pay you. Yeah. You better lose me <laughs> up first. Better take me to dinner. Um, so then we did Back in Tunes almost at the same exact time. In fact, I think we did both shows that night because that first show went uh, so quickly that we're like, well, hell, you, you want to just stick around? We'll do a cartoon one. We're like, fuck it. Why not? And that started that trend. So almost immediately, I think it was on our second or third week. In fact, you weren't even there for the first two episodes. I forgot, like, the test episodes when we are working on the equipment and see if it sounded right. That was uh, me and somebody else. And then you came in on week three, and that's when we started doing the animation. So you've been there since the very beginning of the Back in Tunes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was there. Uh, Robocop 2 and Racing Arizona Yeah, were the ones that we did. Well, we did that, and we did... Uh, were you there for Real Ghostbusters? Right? We did that no. for... No, I thought we did that for Harold Ramis passing. No, wait, we did. We did that in Caddyshack. Right, right. And then uh, I did the rock and wrestling with someone else. But then after that, it was almost predominantly you. Of course, when you got too busy, I had guests coming in. And then I felt like I was cheating on you, like I'm some filthy whore. It's not your fault. No, I was too busy with all of my other shit. I neglected you, Michael. I didn't give you enough time. But <laughs> I need my life. loving. I need some cartoon loving. Um, but that's, that's pretty much come to an end. Uh... So here we go with the final year. Um, so we're going to wrap up 2017 with Spawn, the first decade of South Park. Fuck yes. And Clone Wars. And then 2018, we're really going to look at our st uh, schedule and get some of the big stuff that we've kind of been pushing off to the side, especially like old school stuff. You know, there's a lot of uh, cartoons that pre-1990 that we've never got around to. And, Holy uh, shit, really? Yeah, I mean, well, I'm just thinking, like, the classics, like Tom and Jerry, Woody Woodpecker, you know, Hong Kong Fooey, um, Captain Caveman, stuff like that. You know, some of the stuff that, you know, are, I mean, you and I have never even discussed Scooby-Fucking-Doo. What? We've never discussed Scooby-Doo. Yikes! We've never discussed Scooby-Doo? No. Oh, my! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Uh, I need to roll up a joint and sit back and do this. Yogi, like a marathon, that yeah, shit. Yeah, we've never done Yogi Bear. We've never done Gumby. Um, wow, I have a lot of... My, my handwriting is... Holy fuck. Nerds, we right? never did Yogi Bear. No, and of course there's some stuff from the 90s that I really, really wanted to discuss that we're huge, I'm a huge fan of. Like uh, Mission Hill is probably my favorite cartoon of all time. Uh, Downtown, Three South, uh, Fish Police was fun. Hey Arnold, we've never done Hey Arnold. Oh my god. And it's and it's going to be a movie soon. There's yeah, going to be another really. movie of it coming I out. I didn't know that. Holy balls. Yeah, uh, but that that's the idea is that we're probably going to hand out probably... I want to get to episode 150 and then that's when we switch formats. So it'll be comics, video games, cartoons, movies and TV, that kind of stuff. Maybe even music. We'll throw in some music stuff. Okay. Speaking of comics, uh, I do want to bring this up. I did read Flashpoint, finally. And I cannot wait to see that as a movie. Uh, we well, know, no well, well, there is the animated version. You, I noticed you watched that on our Voodoo. 
I know. I love watching it. I've watched it like so many times. That's like one of my favorite ones to watch. I watched um, Throne of Atlantis, and I was horribly disappointed because they ditched big chunks of that storyline. Um, I noticed that too sometimes. What was the other one I watched? Uh, Justice League Dark? Yes, thank you. Uh, I was okay with that. The one thing that's missing from Justice League Dark, which was part of... Um, I, I, can't remember, I, can't remember, I can't remember the, the comic book now. Uh, it was all the Dark oh. characters, but they, they skipped Blue Devil. Which is one of my favorite characters. Oh my god, what? Yeah, Blue Devil is not part of Justice League Dark at all. Not the comic or the um, the animated movie. I'm, I'm going to look this up because I had this series. I think, oh no, I know he was part of Justice League Dark. Also, he... I don't think he was really part of the New 52 oh, ensemble, no. was he? He was part of Shadow Pact. That was the comic that oh. I read all the time. It had uh, Ragman and Shining Knight and uh, Detective Chimp, which is a crazy character. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. He's in the uh, 52 miniseries. Yeah, there's Enchantress, Nightmaster, Nightshade, uh, Zuriel, and for some reason the worst fucking name I've ever seen in a comic book is Warlock's Daughter. Dumb. And Phantom Stranger kind of comes in and out of this one. Oh, yeah. He's, he's that kind of guy who like supports you and then leaves, like an uh, RPG. Oh, yeah. special bonus attack. All right, bye. Uh, sorry, but we had to pause for a minute. Weird issues. Whatever. Um, uh, before we jump into Clone Wars, some of the stuff that I've seen in the uh, entertainment industry lately, of course, we're talking about Justice League falling apart. Uh, you loved it, though. I know a lot of people who love it. It's the critics that seem to be shitting all over it. My one friend, Nick, he's not too much into these kind of movies. He's more like a serious film fan. Um, he analyzed it the way I think the critics analyzed it, is that it's a CGI mess. Now, you are, have been pretty much on board with like the director's cuts. I've seen them. I'm terrified to see the non-director's cuts because the director's cuts were so huge letdown. Batman vs. Superman I thought was a fucking nightmare. Uh, Suicide Squad was well made, but I, I just didn't care about a lot was going on. I was like, Enchantress? Really? Is that going to be the villain you're going to... All right, whatever. Um, Wonder Woman was definitely a step in the right direction, and Justice League seems like they that step went right into a big pile of poop. That's all Zack Snyder's fault. <laughs> well, because honestly, uh, David Ayer wanted to make the villain more grounded in Suicide Squad. He wanted Joker to be the villain. And that, that would have worked perfectly. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Or, you know, just something bigger. I mean, why is Killer Croc part of the Suicide Squad? He would have been a great villain. Or how about, um, I don't know, someone that would mind fuck you, like the Riddler or something like that, and his henchmen. Or, I don't know. Exactly. Uh, Joker and Riddler. Yeah. Heck, there was even a question mark in the uh, church that uh, Batman was um, preparing to ambush Superman in, and Batman vs. Superman, so I'm like, well, shit. There's a little, like, nod there. I just realized Honestly, I have I have, I've never read Suicide Squad. I read Villains United, which is a spinoff of Suicide Squad, sort of. Um, oh, okay. But I have the very first, uh, the relaunch from 19, or actually the original series from 1987 or 88, like the first six issues, I just haven't gotten around to reading it yet. Oh, wow. Uh, well, I kind of held off because the movie had, had just kind of put a bad taste in my mouth, so I just kind of have it just sitting in a pile here. Um, yeah. But we were talking off air uh, while I was waiting for the thing to be over with. Uh, why, why do you even comment on this shit? You people don't even fucking notice. It's ridiculous. Um, that uh, <laughs> the first official picture of Robin has been released for the Titans TV show, Brenton Thwaites of uh, the last... Uh, uh, Piece of the Puzzle? What's that? Piece of the puzzle? Well, no, 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 no. He was uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, the last one, and he was in Gods of Egypt. I actually think the kid's a good actor, even though those movies have not done well for him, clearly, since he's now in a TV show. But he looks uh, amazing, but the problem is it's, it's Tim Drake's costume and Bo, and uh, it's Dick Grayson as a character, which 
now has become this weird amalgam where they haven't separated the two, and I think that's kind of annoying. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, that's what Tim Drake was best known for. He was the one who would always use, like, the staff, and, you know, uh, Tim, uh, Dick Grayson was always using like, more, like, hand-to-hand combat, like Batman was, until he eventually became Nightwing and used their Screamer sticks. Yeah. Uh, and, but it, well, and Tim Drake also has some goofy-ass weapons, like he could throw the R on his costume, which I thought was kind of stupid. I'm not even sure how that would fly so well. <laughs> Uh, he had exactly. the, he had the little um, bolos thing. Um, he had a slingshot, so it, it got kind of goofy for a while there. Yeah, and then that and then that slingshot was used by Carrie Kelly. I don't understand why Detective Comics is called Detective Comics since Batman rarely ever seems to solve a mystery anymore. Why don't they just boot it up so that Robin is uh, the focus of Detective Comics? Because he always seems like he's really really good with solving a mystery. Oh God, yeah. I mean, come on, he figured it out on hand that you know. Dick Grayson and you know Bruce Wayne were Batman or Robin. Yeah. He deducted. He he is a fucking detective. He's a natural detective. Him and the question and oh god, who's another big detective oriented uh hero? Uh well the question. Uh oh, you just said that. I know. Time. Sorry, I got distracted for a second. Um Blue Beetle? Well well Green Arrow for a long time was really good. Oh yeah. That's true. Um I feel like there's a couple others in there, but you know, I mean, hell, Jim Gordon is a, a detective. In, in a way, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he's commissioner, oh, but he's always solving mysteries. Uh, the Scooby-Doo gang? Yeah, and well, now <laughs> that Rorschach's been entered into the DC universe, you got him. Oh, yeah, the Doomsday, the whole Doomsday Clock series. Oh, my God. I can't I can't wait to read that. Uh, I, I didn't really know that was part of that series. I'm kind of behind on comics. So right now, I'm just tapping into uh, Brightest Day and the new 52. So I'm like four or five years behind. Oh, wow. I just finished reading uh, Rebirth 1 and 2 of Wonder Woman, and I've yet to finish, start on Green Arrow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Quite frankly, I'm fascinated. Did you see the released images for uh, Batman Ninja? Oh, that. Oh yeah, I did look at that. I saw uh, uh, Kent Hill actually posted that, and a friend of mine from uh, high school posted it as well. I was like, holy shit, it was freaking amazing. I'm like, I can't wait to see this rendition. I mean, I think, um, I think sometimes there's too many Batman cartoon movies. I feel like they should start exploring some of the other characters. Um, I mean, how many more times can you do the Batman as in animation without tiring out? I mean, look, there's like 9,000 characters in the DCU, and 25 of them are heavy hitters. So I'm kind of surprised that um, that they keep focusing on Batman so much. We need. I want Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. I really want to see that duo. I want to see that so badly. Can you hear Willow drinking? She's so loud. Yeah. <laughs> She's thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but uh, back to the uh, DC uh, cinematic universe. Um, as far as it goes, like Zack Snyder's involvement, he doesn't. Honestly, he's taking him in a shitty direction. He's wanted to do his own cool thing, but like that's just not how you do it. It's not really what the fans want. I mean, I, I understand with Batman, he was kind of taking it in a Dark Knight Returns kind of area, but he directly killed Bat, uh, Dark, in Dark Knight uh, Returns. He indirectly killed uh, the mutants, especially when he was just uh, using all the rubber bullets and you know ended up, you know, one of them ended up dropping a grenade and then blew themselves up. But still, uh, and then killing off Zod. Like what the fuck was that? That was too yeah. dark for Superman. I, I feel like he never cared about the DC universe. He just thought it'd be an interesting job. Uh, I mean, every time he tackles one of these projects, it seems like it's a 50-50 shot where it's going to be a giant pile of shit or going to be awesome. Dawn of the Dead was amazing. 300 was amazing. I fucking did not understand Sucker Punch. Oh, my God. Sucker Punch. Oh, Jesus Christ. That was fucking just video game. That's all it was. It was pretty much just played out like a video game. He tried 
he said he wanted to set up this cool story, kind of empowering women. I'm like, no, you didn't. You just fucking objectified them. Yeah, a Watchmen was uh, phenomenal, and it's just you know, Batman. Uh, sorry, Superman. Um, fuck, which one's that one called? Man of Steel. Man of Steel. I just I, mean, I actually liked it until the part. Well, again, him killing Zod was just not right. I it, that's where it really lost a lot of people. Yeah, I mean that one's. Now that I look back on what he's done, that seems like the best of the trilogy that he's done. <laughs> but I still haven't seen Justice League, so I can't say. But you can feel his influence over Suicide Squad and Wonder Woman, especially at the oh, end of Wonder God. Woman. Oh yeah, definitely. As far as the action sequence was definitely. But Patty Jenkins, honestly, Patty Jenkins knew how to tell the story. She'd been wanting to do that movie for years before Zack Snyder jumped on. Yeah. And honestly, she did it wonderfully. She really portrayed like what made that character. That character. Okay. What the fuck is that? Oh, sorry. That's my that's my ringtone. It's the Salt Snake codec gear. Oh, the middle gear, I thought uh, maybe it has some sort of like you're fighting laser aliens or something. <laughs> <laughs> or just the, or yeah, the early Terminator, early Terminator sound effects. <laughs> I watched the Terminator. Okay, now I have a problem with the Terminator. Um, only only in one moment because the Terminator is nearly perfect, except um, you know when they're chasing him in the car and he runs his car into the wall. And Reese and uh, Sarah Connor kind of are behind him, and the cops show up, and he takes off, and there's no one oh, in the car. Oh, yeah. Okay, so he has no problem r- running off for that. But then, you know, when he gets to a police station, he's like, hmm, 80 cops, all well-armed. They're behind, you know, all this, like, safety stuff. Hmm, yep, I'm going to just charge full ahead. No fear. What the hell is that? Why? I know, it's like... It'd just be easier if you did it on the parking lot. Preci- exactly, seriously. Uh, plus, he's, uh, I guess he's a... He's a machine. He can't disrupt the future or discover that, you know, he or have people discover that he's a machine. Otherwise, who knows? He was probably very logical about that. But then, yeah, as you mentioned, as soon as that, like, uh, police, uh, the, uh, the police headquarters thing, you know, getting Charles shot up doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. But James Cameron needed action to drive the story. Uh, yeah. Uh, Avengers <laughs> trailer released. Infinity War. What'd you think? Just a teaser, not Holy- the trailer. I know. I'm like, holy fucking shit. They're definitely taking some cues from Lord of the Rings with these big full-scale battles. Yeah, I'm really yeah. excited. They're, they, they're changing. Uh, God, as long as the camera's not shaking, I'm good. Because I watched uh, Civil War again, and in the first 20 minutes, the camera shakes and I want to puke. But after that, yeah. it writes itself, and uh, it's an amazing movie. So I'm, I'm behind the Russo brothers as long as they let the camera sit still. And I get the feeling I mean, they're, they're not going to futz around with this Avengers because you know it costs $300 million, period. Yeah, for sure. And it also has the Guardians of the Galaxy showing up at the end of the trailer as well, which is, oh my god, that's so fucking cool. But uh, Civil War, now that you mentioned that, I felt it, it was kind of underwhelming. I mean, yeah, it's definitely more character, but when you're calling something Civil War and bringing in the Sokovia Accords, that's the, supposed to be the center of the story. Yeah. It's well, no, I, think, I, think it was smart, I thought it was smart to trick you. At first, I was pissed because I expected one of them to die, and I was like, wait, it's nothing like the book. Uh, uh, I wasn't expecting them to die, no. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, especially I when you need them for fucking Thanos. Speaking of death, uh, I didn't see Hawkeye anywhere in that Infinity War trailer. Did you? Oh no, I didn't. Oh my god, I have a bad feeling about this. But then again, I don't recall seeing Ant Man either. But maybe he was there. Oh shit! Oh shit! We're, we're oh, gonna have to no, watch no, this no, trailer. No no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I saw it like I watched it twice, like in the in like the same amount of like I watched it once and then I repeated it. Oh my god. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it is confirmed that Captain Marvel's going to be in it. it. Brie Larson's coming in. No, Already? Yeah. They're introducing her into that. Yeah, so I'm like, so Scarlett Johansson was even commenting on it. Like, it was really cute because the directors were having her put her hand in, like, like uh, Bruce Banner. 
uh, 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 Marco follow. And she's like, well, wait, I'm putting my hand in front of his face. I'm new at this. I'm new at this. Uh. <laughs> no, you know, because she's never, ever, like, done big action sequences or had to interact with the Hulk yet. Well, she did or, do Kong. She, she did Kong oh, Skull Island. That's true, she did. I haven't seen it yet. Have you? And then, I did, actually. I It was really good. Yeah. I, I mean, they, of course, they made King Kong a lot larger because of what they want to set up eventually, but even then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it was just very well done. I loved watching it. Well, everybody, I survived another Black Friday. Um, Jacob doesn't have oh to work the same God. kind of retail. But you still you, you work in warehouse, but you don't have to deal with customers. Um, but oh I didn't no. score anything on Black Friday. Uh, you didn't score anything on Black Friday because neither one of us is going out for that bullshit anymore. Um, I just did online. I, I sh I've shopped on Barnes and Noble online. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, I got a couple ultraviolets. I watched Atomic Blonde, which I thought was going to be a lot better than it was, but. It didn't have the same kind of soul. It's basically like a female version of John Wick. Great action sequences, great soundtrack. I just didn't care. Yeah, I love I loved Sofia Patella, who was the uh, French agent. Oh, I didn't even, I didn't know who that is. Yeah, no, she's uh, she was in Kingsman Secret Service. She was in Star Trek um, Star Trek Beyond. She was that uh, one alien. Oh, really? I didn't notice. Yeah, she, yeah, she's also played the mummy in the Universal Dark Universe. I haven't seen that one either. Tom Cruise. Yeah. yeah. But I have seen Captain Underpants now 90 times because it's been playing at work for two months. And I got to tell you, it's not bad. It's kind of trippy in, in this little stuff that they do that makes no sense. And it's kind of like uh, the way if uh, the guys that did 21 Jump Street and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, if they would do Captain Underpants, I imagine it would be like that. Because like right in the middle of the movie, it stops for this long puppet sequence. It's a 3D animated film, and it just stops. It's like the craziest thing you've ever seen, and it's got a great theme song by um, Weird Al. I actually don't mind it. <laughs> well, it's Weird Al. I don't mind him either, ever. Yeah, I was supposed to switch also, out the movie, and all we've got lately is the Emoji movie and Cars 3, and ew. I'm not fucking doing that. Oh, God, no. Not the Emoji. No. Jesus. When, when, uh, when you see a, a movie like on the shelf at a store... And there's, like, no critic reviews on it, you know, saying, like, oh, it's a blast, this and that, by so-and-so. You know it's bad. Same with Aeon Flux. I think it's funny when you see a review that uh, isn't really a review. It's like, uh, there's a movie called uh, Soldier with Kurt Russell where it just said action sci-fi thriller. Or Unforgiven meets Blade Runner. And you're like, but that's not a review. That's just a description. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't help me. Or, you know what? You know what's the most useless review? Like, what, you know, it's the best-rated so-and-so movie of this genre or whatever. I'm like, you said that about 10 million other movies. What the fuck? I yeah. don't give a shit about that. <laughs> well, I think it's all when they say from the producers of, like, it'd be the line producer who doesn't even have any creative talent. He just knows how to manage a budget. Precisely. It's just ridiculous sometimes you see that. Yeah. All right. I so will say this about uh, mm -hmm. Justice League, though. All the characters were very on point. Batman was a dick. You know, um, Wonder Woman was Wonder Woman, of course. And Flash was this lovable goofball. Uh, I think they definitely took more cues from uh, Throne of Atlantis for uh, Aquaman. He was like kind of a rebel and a loner. And, but, I mean, he had a heart of gold for sure. But even then, uh, we're definitely going to see him take responsibility and become a king in James Wan's Aquaman next year. I'm very excited. I, I Just this year I've been reading Aquaman, and I'm just totally revved up. You know, they kind of left him out of the Justice League series, which we discussed in our last episode. He only showed up for like one small arc. I want to watch them on Unlimited, but 
That's not the the Aquaman I know. The one with the goofy fucking harpoon and the and the beard and the uh, heavy metal hair. That's not my Aquaman, yeah. you know. Uh, so this version with Jason Momoa is an amalgam of uh, that one, and uh, you know, of course, he's ethnic, so it changes it up a little bit, makes it more tribal. Um, yeah, it more actually funky. has my interest. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. And James Wan knows what he's doing with the movie. Some people shit on his Star Trek, but I thought it was pretty good. Oh no, no, that's Justin Lin. Oh, James shit. Wan's the one who did Fast and Furious Seven. I'm racist, but dude. Why would people judge? Why did people shit on that? Star Trek Beyond was actually leaning more towards the original Star Trek. Yeah, but, but at the same time, like, there's, the yeah, but they're also like, oh, it's the Fast and Furious version of the Star Trek universe. It was very well done, and I just Elba kicked ass. <laughs> All right, so everybody, uh, the meat of this episode, and I don't want anybody to like fail because we're taking too long, but uh, it's Clone Wars. Sorry. I um, I chose this thinking that I could just hop in and out of the series and not be bothered by it. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm going to let all of you down now because I am going to have to go back and watch every single episode because what I did was, and this is the cheat we do with the show sometimes, we pick and choose episodes, or sometimes we don't even make it past one episode because it was shit. Um, I chose the first and last episode of every season to watch, and I didn't. I didn't watch Lost Missions because I don't know what the hell that is. So I, I'm going to let you down. I'm going to fuck. I, and I, I'm ashamed of myself. And I haven't seen Rebels yet. Um, have you seen Rebels? I've watched a few episodes here and there. Only the ones that I felt like were very, you know, important and you know had a lot of character confliction. Yeah. Well, I mean, even shows like uh, Pirates of Darkwater, which had an arc. You didn't need to watch every episode. You just kind of like pick and choose if you wanted to. You still got the point. And I sat there going, oh shit, I've missed a lot. What? Darth Maul's alive? What the fuck? And so um, we'll talk about it, but I, I'm going to tell you right now that I, I'm a little embarrassed because I also forgot that Jindy Tarkovsky started this whole damn thing with the shorts that he, you know, like the, what was it, like a five, ten minute episode that he would play on uh, the Cartoon Network? Network? Yeah. Exactly, and it's it's uh, the time period did take place between episodes two and three, and it uh, right as soon as uh, the second season of uh, Clone Wars ended is when episode three begins. Okay, you know, right in the base battle of Coruscant. But honestly, Gendy Tartakovsky's work and this animated series did a great portrayal of Anakin Skywalker. Honestly, but he wasn't a whiny little bitch. He was actually a hero. He was, you know, he was very well thought out. He was very smart. He was powerful. He got shit done. Yeah, and, and, and the funny thing is, well, I also, everything that the prequel series got wrong, the cartoon gets right, which is why I'm exactly. going to go back and watch it from the beginning because I'm absolutely fascinated by it. At first, I did not like the character designs. It was kind of jarring, but I also understand, uh, A, it's stylized, and B, the way they did certain things with like the hair and the facial features, you can save money down the long road. Um, say when Anakin wants his hair to move, it's just like four hairs that have to be moved. It's not like 3,000 that have to be moved. It's not Final exactly. Fantasy here, people. Um, so <laughs> no, oh it God. was a smart That's... decision from a budget standpoint. Oh, for sure. I mean, even though it was like, you know, Lucasfilm and now Disney, yeah, no, budget shouldn't be too much of a problem. <laughs> no, no, the show does not look cheap. In fact, these are the most exciting action sequences in all of the Star Wars franchise. I... Uh, when um, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi re-meets uh, Darth Maul after all these years and takes on him and his brother, that is the best yes. action sequence I've ever seen. Oh my god, I know. I loved it. I swear, especially uh, Darth Maul was like my favorite for, like, when episode one was first released. I loved Darth Maul. I loved watching him. And then I got kind of like, I know he's the villain and all, but I was still upset when he died. Yeah. 
I will tell you this, that I drove around with the soundtrack full blast like a fucking nerd. I had both windows rolled down. Bum, 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 bum. Duel of the Fates was a fucking awesome theme song. I mean, that and the music from the prequels was great. I mean, it's John Williams. Yeah, of course. You didn't really go wrong with him. No, no. But, but goddamn George Lucas, what the fuck were you thinking overall? This is how I feel about the trilogy. First one, two good sequences, the pod race and the final battle. Uh, yes. Second movie, I have absolutely no connection to whatsoever. Even the cool battle at the end when takes on, you know, Mace Windu is taking on Jango, I just didn't care that mm-hmm. much. It just everything felt fake. And this is when we got the whiny little bitch Anakin, where you're just like, God, what happened? I saw you in Life as a House, and you're really good. And Shattered Glass is oh. really good. What is going Anyhow. on here? I'm pretty sure, like him, Christian's like as he's talking to George Lucas, he's thinking in his head, "What the fuck are you talking?" I know, about? right? Yeah, uh, he did the best with what he had. Sadly, he looks great. One, the third one is pretty good, actually. I don't. I, I would say out of ten stars, Empire Strikes Back probably gets a nine. Phantom Menace uh, gets a a two and a half. No, maybe a three. A three. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was about to give it two and a half. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's actually do this. Okay, so my uh, order is Empire Strikes Back, Force Awakens. Return of the Jedi, Star Wars, Rogue One, uh, Revenge of the Sith, um, Phantom... No, fuck it. Phantom Menace, because it has too much Jar Jar. It kills it. Uh, Attack of the Clones, and then Phantom Menace. Yeah, fucking Jar Jar. Where, where did the I mean, Ewoks... Yeah, Jar- did the Ewok movies count? Because <laughs> actually... Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen them in forever, but I loved those as a kid. Oh, God. Yeah, no. I don't even want to put those on the same list. I put them in their own thing. Like, here, just stay in the fucking cult classic... Have you seen them? Pleasure. They are yes, lost. I have. They're not on DVD anymore. Oh wow, really? Yeah, they're out of print. They're like sixty bucks on Amazon. I think I think Disney, I, I you know Disney's going to do something with them, but LucasArts was probably like, let's just make some quick cash and, and then hide it. <laughs> yeah, no, probably. Honestly, though, I, uh, how funny is that we're talking about Star Wars when the new movie's going to be coming out uh, very soon? Dude, it was planned. What are you thinking? I plan this stuff on purpose. I know, damn it! I wanted to make it mysterious. Oh, uh, ooh! <laughs> Never mind. Every time we do an episode, there's a Star Wars movie on the brink of release. That's the way it's working now. Disney is, is basically exhausting this, like the Marvel universe. But I mean, how much time do they have left? They said they're going to do another trilogy, but we have more spinoffs coming. What's going to happen? I don't know. I'm not really too excited about the spinoffs. Rogue One, to me, just it, it really wasn't that great that people claim it to be. I really didn't feel much from the characters, and the only reason why Jim Urso was you know, involved was because of her dad. That's it. That's the only thing that made her special. Her dad worked on the Death Star. Yeah, and Planet of the Hoojibs, if you remember that, that was one of my favorite books as a kid. I wonder if they'll turn that into a movie. But now, now <laughs> you, you got the, um, what, what the fuck is, uh, what are those little, little guys? What are they called? The little creatures. Those, oh, in episode eight? I don't yeah. know, but they're adorable. The punch. Yeah, punch, punch I don't know. Fuck it. Um, all right, so Clone Wars. Uh, so, you know, like I said, I jumped in and out of this, but what I enjoyed was Cad Bane. I thought he was great for that first arc. I thought the assassins being sent after Chewbacca was great, especially it was kind of like, hey, fans of the original trilogy, here's a little connector, you know? I was like, all right, I'll take that. I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Chewbacca himself was actually in Revenge of the Sith, even though that damaged the continuity. Like, what the hell? Yeah. I think it, I think it is strange that there's no recognition factor by Obi Wan. You think somehow at least the name and, and you know even if he's not directly involved, you know like the fact that there's a huge arc in this cartoon, you think like oh yeah I know who Chewbacca is. Or or R two D two. I mean 
Like, you know, in the first movie, he, you know, when uh, Luke's telling Obi-Wan, he's like, he, this droid says he belongs to you. He's like, I certainly don't remember owning a droid. Maybe like, maybe Obi-Wan drinks a lot, and his brain's gone. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Maybe, well, after all the shit he went through, yeah, most likely. Dealing with little orphan Annie, crying all the time. <laughs> you never did me seriously. You never thought I should have been a master. Little oh, bitch. <laughs> Uh, quickly, the actors that are in this, I, they're not your n typical voice actor guys, the, at least the leads. Uh, Matt Lanter's one of those WB guys, James Arnold Taylor, I, f I have no fucking clue who that is, but he's phenomenal as the voice of Obi-Wan. Oh, I know, it's, sometimes it's hard to tell if it's Ian McGregor or not, like, right? he's really soft yeah. and low, he sounds so much like Ian McGregor, I'm like, holy shit. Um, Ashoka and... is a new character to the franchise. Oh um, yeah, Ahsoka. Yeah, she's great. Um, I don't know. Mary Ashley, she, I think she's like a Nickelodeon kid or a Disney kid. Definitely Nickelodeon and Disney. Uh, Dee Bradley Baker does a ton of animation and somehow has never come up on this show. Really? Yeah, and just not once has he ever come up on the show. Huh. You know, I'm glad they kind of oh, – did you ever see like episodes with Asajj Ventress? The what? Asajj Ventress. She's the uh, – she was uh, Dooku's uh, Sith Apprentice. She showed up in getting Tartakovsky's. Um, Clone Wars first. Uh, right. Here's the thing is, since I jumped in and out, I got kind of confused on the female characters, but um, I'm not sure which one that is. Is she the tall one that's kind of gray? That she sets, yeah, she's bald. She's, yeah, she, two okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Because she sets up that final episode of the regular series is that you think, okay, I remember the one girl, uh, uh, Shaka is... Ah Ahsoka. Ahsoka, sorry. Uh, Ahsoka is set up for a crime, and... Um, Anakin goes to who you just said and thinks she is, but it turns out to be a completely different lady. Why is it everybody has two lightsabers, though? That's the one annoying thing. Can't just someone use one and be really good at that one? I know. I mean, I think that whole two lightsaber thing started in Attack of the Clones with Anakin. I mean, he's supposed to be a great swordsman. He was a great warrior and a great pilot. Yeah. We well, definitely see it kind of started with Darth this. Maul. Darth Maul had the double-sided lightsaber, so that kind of like pushed it in that direction. Yeah, and then, of course, with Knights of the Old Republic, they delved deeper into that. Like, you know, it was definitely more common around the area uh, that, um, around that timeline, like, thousands of years ago. Lost you for a second there. You said something about double-sided lightsaber. For some reason, I just completely lost you. I oh. nearly, I nearly lost you there. I'm just a lost boy. Nobody loves me. <laughs> that was blasting at work the other day. We were playing Christmas music, and I can't stand Christmas music, so I put on my own music on this big Bluetooth speaker display, which we're kind of supposed to do anyway. So right. uh, I put on Queen, and it did song. You know, it, it's like radio, so it picks the, the bands that are like it. Um, let's just say it got a little awkward when it played Welcome to the Jungle, full blast. But when uh, Bohemian Rhapsody played, I was, like, running through the aisles. To the full family, there is life for us all so to be. You know, like, just run around. <laughs> yeah, but overall, like I said, um, yes, uh, Anakin, I think, was definitely a main focal point for me. He was, he did kind of become my favorite when the Clone Wars came around. Because in the movies, oh, gosh. Again, it was all just looks. That's all it was about. That's pretty much all the prequels were about, were just pretty looks. I mean, you even look at the lightsaber fighting. Look, more uh, government it, talk. More government talk. Yes, this is what the kids want. Government debates. <laughs> That's oh, it, God, yeah, George Lucas. You got your finger on the pulse of America. Uh, pretty much, yeah. I just wanted to show how, uh, you know, Anakin 
you know, did turn to the dark side and how he's constantly uh, conflicted with himself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I couldn't get a network to pick up Star Wars Babies because, you know, Muppet Babies was such a huge hit. So I decided to roll that series into a film. So you get to see Boba Fett as a baby, Anakin as a baby, you uh, get uh, Doth as a baby. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Jabba Baby, hey, do you think that, um, what if Jabba's fetish was getting choked out? And at first, he's like, oh, yeah, Princess Leia, doing what I like. Oh, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> I'm just joking. She's taking it too far. He's, he can't even say the safety word because he's choking. <laughs> <laughs> that little guy makes a... <laughs> Which shows up in this cartoon, by the way. I, I'm not that... Oh. I'm a Star Wars nerd, but I don't remember the char- that character's name. I'm sorry. I don't either, but it, it's probably something very weird. He's a Muppet it. anyway. I had it, too. I had the job of... See... There was a the, the Jabba toy when I was a kid. Was uh, he was on his little throne thing there? But if you took Jabba and that little creature off, you could take the skulls that were on his platform and open them up, and it looked like it was the pit where you'd hide the characters down in, where it gets to the um um oh the Rancor. Rancor, thank you. Fuck, I almost said Tyrannosaurus something. Boy, you know, I used to be obsessed with Star Wars. I used to know everything about Star Wars, and it's starting to fade from my mind. It mostly it's because I, I drop acid like before every episode, but. Uh, <laughs> Pretty cool. That way you feel like you can use the force. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, quickly let's talk about the comics. Marvel picked up the rights to the comic and uh, carried it for like a decade. I, I even had the last issue, which was worth a fortune. And then Dark Horse picked them up for a long time. Same thing for Indiana Jones. Their Indiana Jones was better by a long shot. The Star Wars, about the same. But they opened up a world that was beyond just the core characters. They started going to the X-Wing Squadron. By the way, very um, upset from day one that Rogue One was not about a Wedge and his um, X- X-Wing Rogue Squadron. No, it had to be about the uh, Rebel team that got the Death Star plan. I guess I really wanted to see the Rogue Squadron because that sounds like a badass fighter pilot movie. Um, oh, hell yeah. That should be. Uh, um, uh, aerial combat. Kind yeah, of, uh, I think it would just be great. I mean, it can't be the whole movie. Well, then again, Flyboys was that, and I thought I liked Flyboys. Uh, Memphis yeah. Bell, all in the air. Oh, yes, of course. And mm. then there was Red Tails. Yeah, um, that's okay. That's another George Lucas production. Uh, it, it just looked fake. You know, just like looked like it was shot on a soundstage with shitty cameras. But not a bad movie. Oh, of course, I know, because that's all George Lucas... Uh, that's pretty much just what George Lucas did with... Uh, the prequels, it was all just like green screen, a few yeah. little pieces here and there, but nothing to make you feel like you're in a whole other world. Yeah, well, yeah, it just, it just seemed cheap. Um, but Marvel took back the rights, of course, from Dark Horse. Dark Horse has been, like, scrambling for something new because even though the license for Star Wars was getting more expensive over the years, that was right. their bread and butter. They had Buffy, they had Aliens vs. Predator, and they had the Star Wars and Indiana Jones. The Star Wars and Indiana Jones dried up. Aliens vs. Predator, nobody could give a rat's fuck about, which was clear since the box office on Alien was so terrible. And I don't see Predator making a difference. And Buffy hasn't even been a topic of conversation for a long time. Sadly, no. But it's definitely one of Joss Whedon's best work. It is. But all Dark Horse really has now is their original creations, which are not, you know, breadwinners. You got Goon, basically, and Grendel, and... And a few other hand, uh, titles that are still keeping the doors open, which is sad because that is like, you know, Oregon's company. You know, I, I, everybody lives in Oregon. I lived literally a block away from Dark Horse headquarters for quite some time. And um, so I, I feel like it's my company. The problem is, is I don't even read their shit. I, don't, I just don't have any interest. I'm trying to think. They, they also did uh, the Batman vs. Predator uh, storyline. They also did Batman vs. Alien. Yeah. They did like Superman a lot of DC versus Alien. Awesome. 
Yeah, I know. They've done, like, like I said, they've done some really cool stuff. And the Knights of the Old Republic series was like some of their best work, uh, considering it took place way, way, way before. Yeah, you well, know, Empire's Black a good Empire. one, too. Empire's a really and the, good one. Oh, yeah, and of course, like the original Sith War, you know, and which led up to the creation of uh, the temple on Yavin. Yeah. They're Sith temples created by the actual Sith race. Uh, it was Kalanor. Yeah, and then there's that. a Dark Empire trilogy, which, you know, saw Luke tempting fate by uh, tampering with the dark powers of the Force, um, which, you know, is crazy. And there was also um, Shadows of the Empire. You know, I was never on board with Shadows of the Empire. Shadows of the Empire was that filler uh, storyline and toy line that was supposed to be between Empire and Return of the Jedi, and I thought the villain was goofy. The storyline was okay. You know what oh, excited me the most was the Boba Fett miniseries where him and I want to say it's IG-88 were going after the same target, and they were kind of beating the shit out of each other. Yes, that. Him and IG-88 were definitely, like, the biggest bounty hunters, and they were at each other's throats, like, for sure. I mean, you, you, out of all that entire group, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't going to be Boba Fett who'd found the Millennium Falcon, it definitely would have been IG-88. Yeah. Uh, Boba Fett apparently is still alive, according to the comics. I don't know if that's been continued anywhere else. But I'm I'm wondering why why is it that Lando and Boba Fett have not been mentioned as being part of the the first two of the Star Wars trilogy? I honestly have no idea. But there will be Lando Calrissian in the Han Solo movie, and he's played by uh, Donnie Glover, who yeah. uh, AKA Childish Gambino. He's just a great he's great all around, like acting, um, writing, uh, stand up comedy, musician, just all around a fantastic performer. This guy does it all, and yeah. he also has a great TV show on FX. So yeah, the character's going to keep going, um, and, and to be fair, I, like I told you before, I saw Billy D. Williams back in 2013, and he didn't seem like he was exactly the sharpest, so I'm a little concerned that he, even if they do put him in the movie, they're going to have to keep it to a minimum, because I don't think he can remember dialogue. Maybe, we'll have to wait and see. Also, oh, I think Billy D. Williams definitely lent his voice to Battlefront 2 in the campaign mode, oh. and to the actual hero character. Yeah, it, it sounds so much like him, I'm like, my god, it... This is. I feel like Land. I definitely feel like I'm playing as Lando. I mean, this is exactly what he would say and do. <laughs> uh, in 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 the back to the cartoon real quick. Uh, Cad Bane is one yeah. of the main drives of season one. It's season two, right? Where they they I can't remember the season Sorry. two or season three where Boba as a child decides to get these assassins uh, to kill Mace. I mean that might be season three because one of them is they're hunting down Chewbacca. The other one is they're hunting Mace. Two different teams. Yes. I definitely think it's season two because that's when the I think there was like a huge special on the bounties, the bounty hunters. Yeah. During uh, that, I think season three and four, I think it's like season three or four they were focusing more on the clone troopers, and then five is when they brought back Darth Maul. Yeah, season four and, starts off with this amazing water battle where it's Admiral Akbar's people and they're underwater, or whatever. And I thought it was one of the most amazing things I've ever witnessed in animation. Um, but then season four jumps ahead, and all of a sudden I'm seeing Mace or uh, uh, Darth Maul alive. I'm like, oh, I screwed up. I really should have watched, but I just ran out of time. That's my fault for doing yeah, so no. many podcasts. Well, he definitely he's cut. Well, when he's um, well, when he's alive, he's like uh, infused with like this, you know, te- technology, and he's like batshit insane. He's gone, yeah. he's gone senile like at first. Well, he and looks like he Darth. He, was, he looks like Darth Spider. Exactly, it's pretty much what he was, and the voice of him was uh. Oh gosh, Witwer. Uh, he played he played the apprentice in the Force Unleashed video games, and he was also in oh, Battlestar Galactica. Sam Witwer. Yeah, that's him. Oh, nice. So he what's that show he's on where he's a vampire and there's a werewolf and like a ghost? Too human. What is it? Too human, I think. Being human. 
Does that sound? I think it's it, 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 humans. Humans. Humans involved. Yes. <laughs> oh, he, he was also uh, Dr., uh, Mr. Hyde in uh, Once Upon a Time. And he was in the Mist. That's the first thing I ever saw him in was the Mist. That guy. I oh. like that guy. I really like that guy. He's also. I think he's Doomsday. also. I, he was the one who told me he was a huge nerd. Yeah, he's a huge nerd, but he was Doomsday in season. I want to say eight of Smallville. Oh shit! So this guy definitely has like kind of kind of a huge like you know nerd following. Yeah. Um, oh man. Let's go over the voice cast of like the reoccurring people. Ian Abercrombie as Palpatine. Um, Ian Abercrombie is kind of well known for being on Seinfeld as Elaine's boss for years. He was kind of like the inept boob. He is the sorcerer in Army of Darkness. Oh, okay. And I believe that he played um, Alfred on the Birds of Prey TV show. Oh, that's no, no, he definitely did. Yeah, I remember him now. Uh, also, Palpatine, Darth Sidious, in the last two seasons, taken over by Tim Curry. Now, that doesn't happen in the normal world. Tim Curry is the guy that you replace. Tim Curry doesn't replace someone who's lesser than... I'm sorry, Ian Abercrombie is a good actor, but Tim Curry is the fucking bomb. He was phenomenal as Palpatine, for sure. Like, some of the episodes I did... I mean, honestly, I couldn't care much for, like, knowing more... Uh, like, seeing the things about Palpatine, because, you know, especially from the movies and, like, you know, being in Return of the Jedi and the prequels. But then this, I was like, okay... This is, makes me like Darth Sid, uh, Emperor Palpatine even more. Uh, All because of Tim Curry. Of course, Ahmed Best comes back as Jar Jar Binks because no one else wants to fucking play Jar Jar Binks. So they probably paid him for the nose. Oh, fucking Jar Jar Binks. Can, I mean, if we if we find out, if they do mention Jar Jar Binks at all, it, uh, hopefully it's that he had his head severed. Oh, I, no, I'm hoping to see him on a spike being grilled. Would you like yes. some Jar Jar meat? Uh, you know, or he just got eaten alive by like one of the underwater monsters in <laughs> Otogunga. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Clancy Brown. See, I knew. I didn't see it on the credits. Yes. But I knew Clancy Brown was playing Darth Maul's brother. Yes, exactly. Yeah, no. Um, I recognize that voice almost anywhere. Although, it did throw me off when it came to listening to uh, Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> uh, Jim Cummings is in this. Of course, we love Jim Cummings as Darkwing Duck. It's probably my favorite character that he's done. Yeah, and then Tom Kane is the narrator in Yoda. I don't know. I love the narrations, though. It reminded me of, oddly enough, Starship Troopers. You know, would you like to know more, those those videos? Or a little bit of uh, oh. Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Oh, yeah, no, the narration's fine, yeah. But when he's Yoda, uh, uh, I, I need Frank Oz back. Oh, uh, he's never going to do that. No. Did you know that John Lithgow voiced Yoda for the radio show back in the early 80s? Because Frank Oz wouldn't do it. Holy shit, no way. Yep, I was watching an interview with him uh, when he was promoting Daddy's Home 2, and they asked him uh, about it, and he immediately goes into his Yoda impression. He goes, yeah, it's just Frank Oz wanted to do, if he's going to do Yoda, he wants to do a full performance, not voice acting. Of course, he wants to do the actual puppet and everything, but now he's all CG'd. I mean, I don't know, well, hopefully that, hopefully in the new movie, uh, Last Jedi, they bring the Force ghosts involved, you know, you know like Obi-Wan or, you know, Anakin. And Yoda, I want to see all three of them back. That would be great. I'm looking at the guy who played Mace Windu. It's It says Terrence C. Carson, but I don't know Terrence C. Carson. I know T.C. Carson. It, uh, he went by that name forever when he was on the TV show Living Single, which was on for like five years. Now he does voice work. I was wondering where he'd been for a while. Yeah, no, he was also the voice of Kratos in the God of War series. Uh, Olivia yeah. Dabo, who is like the queen of Ineac's most people know her as you know, as, uh, as on you know, on screen, you know, like in Conan the Destroyer and uh, Wonder Years and stuff like that. But I, uh, my friend Ken did an interview with her, and she hops from a voice, different voice, like with no real pause or struggling to get through them. It's amazing how she can just do that without even thinking about it. I know it's great. Oh my gosh. 
I know it's very few of the voice actors can uh, actually do that, but again, she's flawless. Oh my goodness, her father is the lead singer of Manfred Mann. They oh, sing, wow. yeah, their their sing their song was do wah diddy diddy dum diddy do. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know that song. I have that song on my phone. It's in my oldies tracks. Yeah, it's not a good song. <laughs> yeah, I know it gets repetitive, but I, I love it. I love it mainly because of um, oh god, strikes. Oh right. When they're in the little march and they're like either left, right, left, and then Hail Raymond starts singing that song. <laughs> Uh, you know they're making Stripes as a TV series for CBS. Holy shit, no way. Who's in it? I don't know. Nobody. I I think it's just well, in preliminary right now. Um, yeah. Two of our favorite uh, actors pop up in this. Tom Kenny uh, does the voice of Newt Gunray. And Phil Lamar plays Bail Organa, Kit Fisto. Not kidding. The last name is Fisto. And Arn yeah. Frita. And Phil Lamar, of course, is like the master of all these cartoons that we see this season. Of course, my favorite being Samurai Jack. Of course, yes, for sure. And also, um, again, Green Lantern, you know, John Stewart, Green Lantern. If, no, I don't think anybody else can voice him other than Phil Lamar. And he was also in uh, the Metal Gear Solid uh, games. He was Bam. Um, he is what character? He's on Foster's uh, Home for Imaginary Friends. He's the really tall guy with one arm. Oh, the was... red one. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I know who you're talking about though. He's um, also that. Yeah, uh, Meredith Salinger does voice work in this, which I didn't know she did any voice work. Um, she was kind of a hot thing during the early 80s, or late 80s, early 90s. Um, just married Patton Oswalt, which is shocking, frankly, because I feel like his wife just died. Oh, Patton Oswalt? Yeah, he married her, and um, looking at the two, they're wildly different. Um, I, I hope it works, because I can't, I can't stand to see Patton wor- uh, hurting again, you know? Just, exactly. Oh, I know. I know, it's awful. And he's such a, and he's such a, you know, I, I, I mean, he's such a great guy. I mean, I love seeing his comedy. I love, I, 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 there was um, an interview with him about, you know, the cost of like stealing other comedians' jokes. Yeah. And he was uh, very articulate about it. I, I've seen it happen. What's the one guy that used to run? He has some extreme show. Carlos Mencia. Carlos, Carlos Mencia. Mencia is notorious for stealing other people's work. And even when confronted by it with um, Mark Marin. He denied it, and then someone else had proof that he stole a joke, and he said he was going to come back in and defend himself, and he never showed up, which is a sure sign of a liar. Yep. I thought I, I thought Carlos Mencia was a shitty comedian anyway. That was Comedy Central's replacement for um, Dave Chappelle. Chappelle really? Yeah. That's it, it, pathetic because he was racist. He was um, offensive, and not in, like testing the boundaries of comedy. He was always saying retarded, and. Yes, I'm guilty of saying it too, but he used it to make jokes, and and over and over he would say stuff like that, and I was just like, what is the matter with this guy? Yeah, no, I didn't really find this funny nowhere near as much as Chappelle. I think the Chappelle show like outsold DVD sales than the, more than The Simpsons. Yeah, well, here's the great thing is that Key and Peele finally stepped up and uh, you know were worthy successors to Dave Chappelle. Yes, they were. Oh my god! <laughs> Especially with um, oh my gosh, when they were doing this like uh, one skit where um, uh, Key is like, you know, they're dressed as females, and Key's just like going off about how she's gonna like handle her uh, her, her man that she thinks is cheating, and but she's ending up coming up with these scenarios where she's gonna let him walk over him, but she's still gonna be in charge, and then Peel's just like the entire time just going okay, <laughs> changing the tone of okay. Almost after every statement, and it's so hilarious. 
My, my, my first sketch on Key and Peele are the two guys that sit outside the hotel and just talk about movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and their reactions to it, or when they were talking about uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> the uh, ballet, the ballet, uh, the ballets. That's what they were. Oh, okay. Um, all right, everybody. It's time to wrap up this episode. Uh, next episode will be about the first decade of South Park. Of course, we're not going to go through every episode, but just kind of like where it started, uh, the evolution of the show, and, of course, the movie. And I want to talk about Team America because that is significant in their run, even Orgasmo in basketball. Exactly. Of course. Well, the thing is about basketball, they just started it. That's yeah, it. but still, it, it was the reason it got pushed so hard, I think, is because um, the success of that first season of South Park. Yes, it did. It was a huge, uh, and it being a huge success, it led them to, to do everything else, especially for um, Trey Parker's Book of Mormon. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about more of that when we do the episode here. We're trying to get three episodes out before the end of the month. I hope that's cool with you, right? Oh, of course. All right. Everybody, thank you very much for uh, listening to the show, and be excellent to each other. Jacob, send us out. I would say party on, but... I, unfortunately, I can't party. I, I usually have errands. I can only party from like 1 to 3. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Namaste and good luck, everybody. All right, everybody. Good night. Welcome to Comics on Infinite Earths. I'm your host, Michael. Avery is back on the show after a six-month gap. I missed you, man. <laughs> where have I been and where's the time going? I'm just, uh. <laughs> it was a strange summer. Uh, you moved, then I moved, and then uh, Hell on Earth hit Florida, and I accidentally forgot that we, <laughs> I told you, I think, what, in August about doing this, and then it's, it's my fault. It's my fault, everybody. I have my head up my butt. I don't know. I I feel like I mean from the earlier talk we had of of management and things like that. I want to put the blame on them too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Balls is part three. <laughs> so the the show has changed a little bit uh, during the summer. Uh, Jacob has joined uh, over from Back in Tunes, and we're kind of making it like a super show. Or we, we we have a pivotal point where we discuss one significant storyline, but we also talk about what's going on in the comic book universe, you know, in, in movies and TV, and sometimes we'll grab another smaller story to talk about. This is kind of an older school episode where we just pick one thing to talk about, but instead of getting to the all the specifics, because, you know, you and I were talking about it, some of the episodes we've done, we're getting into every single bit and piece of the story, and it kind of gives it away for the listener, if why would they need to read it if we just told them everything that happened? And, and you know, I think I think with this whole change that we have, um, I think you pick one of the best ones because uh, with with a lot of times when we do these comics, they they influence the movies, they influence the cartoons, they influence the games, they influence a lot of the stuff that we watch nowadays and a lot of stuff that we read. Um, that when we go back and we look at these older pieces of art, they're still there in the new ones. They're not the same story. They get a little twist here and there. However, it's in all the media except just com- besides just comics anymore. Yeah. And that's like you pick one of the best ones for those. 
Yeah, and this is before there was even really a Marvel universe of any kind. You had a little bit on TV, which uh, with the uh, honestly now looking back on the the Hulk movies, they're really cheesy. And that was about all Marvel <laughs> had, and, and all DC had was the Superman films, which at this point had also gotten incredibly cheesy. So we didn't get like these great animation adaptations. We didn't get the direct-to-video movies or the massive franchises. You just had the comics. And I feel like Marvel and DC are now in this weird circle where the movies are telling the stories the comics have already told, but then the comics are changing to fit the movies, and it's this weird cycle of reboot, rehash, uh, new universe over and over and over. Um, this is before all of that. These are standalone stories, and not even like through the whole Marvel universe. This is just Iron Man's world for the most part. Yes, and, and, and like I said, like I think one of the things that we do need to realize is that um, though they are their own separate entities, they are all still connected one way or another. Uh, we still have central characters. We still have central plot points. We still have uh, 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 centralized um, conflicts as well, too. Um, especially with the new movie coming out, with yeah. with uh, Infinity Infinity Gauntlet coming out, I like I said, I never thought I would be able to see that coming into theater. No. I never thought I never thought I could say I know who Adam Warlock is, and now he's on the movies, and everybody knows who he is. I never thought I would feel that. Well, it's also well, you remember the superhero movies in the eighties and nineties. They were just grabbing the characters and making their own stories. They weren't taking really anything from the comic books. Now we're finding that they're taking specific storylines and, and not direct adaptations unless you're talking like Watchmen or 300, uh, Sin City, mm -hmm. stuff like that. These are where they're grabbing bits and pieces and making a whole new story with something that we already know. So uh, before I get too far, the storyline we're going to discuss is Iron Man Armor Wars. The two pivotal stories during this time period were Demon in a Bottle and Armor Wars, which... They've never even touched Demon in a Bottle in the films. But Armor Wars is clearly touched upon in the Iron Man trilogy. Oh, man. And, and with, with Armor Wars, like I said, you couldn't have picked a better one. Uh, there's a video game based off of it. You, like you said, in the, second, in the second Iron Man movie, the second Iron Man movie uses elements of it. Uh, it there's the old 1994 cartoon, and then there's also the new Iron Man cartoon I did not know was even out. I actually, in my spare time, like I was on my lunch break, and I was just like, I want to watch this. I want to see what it is. And they have 10 whole episodes dedicated to just Armor Wars for the new cartoon. And I was enthralled. It was like a being a kid again. Uh, I, I definitely loved it. I definitely enjoyed myself with that. And like I said, you couldn't have picked anything better. This is the first storyline that I ever read of Iron Man. I kind of knew who he was based on like the Spider-Man comics I read or Captain America. Um, but I never actually grabbed an Iron Man issue, and a friend of mine told me that Iron Man was going to be killed off in a, in a storyline. I was like, what? They kill off major superheroes? Uh, you know, before they did that like every six weeks and brought them back. How many times has Aquaman died? Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I think that was one of the things that Marvel was doing to actually differentiate itself from DC. Um, I mean, granted, yeah, like you would mention, they did kill... <laughs> Aquaman a couple times, but they won't do that to Batman. They wouldn't do that to Superman at that time. You know, no. uh, it, it was it was the early '90s. Those were still the poster boys. And at the early '90s, you couldn't say the words "kill Batman" because this is at the hype of any Batman movie that it came out. This is at the hype of the cartoon. This is the hype of the comics as well too. Like you couldn't do that. 
<laughs> yeah, this, uh, I think it's 86. Let me look here. Um, 87, 88. So by this point, there's only three major deaths in modern comic book storytelling. There was Captain Marvel, who died of cancer. The, the weirdest death of all. I mean, just like, not what you expect. Like, you know, this guy who goes on these massive adventures where it's life and death constantly and he gets killed by cancer. Uh, and then in Crisis, we lost The Flash and Supergirl. So hearing that Iron Man could die. Now, here's the weird thing is, yes and no. He, how, do I, how do I say it without ruining the story? I mean, clearly Tony Stark <laughs> isn't dead, but it's one of these things where they don't trick you. Like, uh, the minute you think he's dead, they show to you, no, it was just a fake out. It was a, now, that was one of the things that had me. Uh, because one of the things I do want to touch on with the comic is this, the entire time, um, like, I think one of the things that everybody knows about Iron Man is he's very public. You know, everybody knows who Iron Man is. Everybody knows who Tony Stark is. Everybody's familiar with who he is. However, in this story, Iron Man was definitely leading a double life. There was Tony Stark and it was Iron Man and nobody had put the two together. And this entire time, Tony Stark, I would, I would say he was doing with this, uh, duality, of trying to figure out how can I fix the problems of my past and then also how can I, you know, um, make sure that nobody knows who I am. So, like, it, you, you see, like, this this in-and-out person where he's a new he's – he's a whole other breed now. It, he, he wants to go back. He wants to fix his problems. He wants to fix the mistakes. Uh, and when he finds out that somebody has his technology, he does everything in his power to change that. Um and that's one of my favorite points about this story is what he does. Instead of killing these people, instead of going down and hunting these people down, he neuralizes them. <laughs> yeah. All right, no problem. Um, but uh, yeah, this is one where you know he, by any means necessary, he's going to stop this because well, it's a little bit different in the movie. I think it's because people had died, and he was going to use uh, whatever means to get his technology back. This is partially that but it's also like his ego is out of control and he can't stand the fact that someone else has his technology which tony stark has always been played as kind of a ego maniacal pain in the ass <laughs> I would, and, and that's one thing i would agree with, with you is that the ego thing is definitely there uh the fact of what was it he he was sitting there and you know he's trying to figure out who has my stuff who has my stuff and when he finally figures out who has it he goes all out uh, we, we go from him attacking multiple villains. Uh, uh, one of my favorites uh, in, in the first part was Stilt Man. <laughs> a ridiculous villain. Did you ever see, um, I think it was in Punisher War Journal, where he takes on the Punisher, and the Punisher just looks up at him, takes a shotgun, and blows his head off. Just, there's no battle. It just unloads on one round. Like, I, I'm, I'm reading through this comic, and I, you know I'm, I'm expecting some campiness, but like when... His power is still. I I, I kind of just lost myself a little bit. I'm like I'm still reading Marvel because this is still hilarious. But uh, we he goes and he kills still. Uh, yeah, well not kill. He he goes and he tracks down all these people, and then he gets to one person, uh, Stingray, who I thought was n nominated for one of the best suits ever that I have never seen before. Seriously, um, it's awesome. It's I, I can't believe how <laughs> underused that character is because he looks amazing. He looks. Beautiful. Like I'm gonna actually pause and say that Stingray is. Uh, I actually had to stop and it was like Stingray does. Uh, he's underwater, so he does. Uh, he's actually and he also made an Avenger too in one of the newer comics. 
Um, he's in line with uh, Namor as well, too, so that's really awesome. Um, but he gets into, like like you said, his ego takes over in that, and I would say in that fight, because he sees Stingray with this awesome suit, and when he finally gets the chance to, like, subdue him, he realizes, that's not my suit. I'm out of line now. <laughs> yeah, i say he's an ego freak, but he also has a grip everything. on reality where he doesn't do stupid <laughs> shit, like, you know, like, oh, you know what, I made a mistake. At least he's willing to admit it. Yeah, but in that point, and I think that right there was that turning point where he realized, I messed up. I messed up big time with that one, where he realized he really overstepped that boundary, and now he has to turn himself in, which is, I mean, like, this is unprecedented to me. Like, you, you, you're Iron Man. Like, how, how, how do you turn yourself in? You, you, you're literally the, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? I want to say, he, he's literally the superhero that a lot of people wanted to be, you know, when you look into Marvel. Um, he's, he's one of the poster boys. Now he's just like, Iron Man's no good right now at this moment. I don't know where I am right now because it's it's not the the, the it's Tony. Tony has lost himself. I just realized Tony has a mullet in the storyline, and it's weirdly blue. Is yours blue because the book that I'm looking at it's, back then for some reason they colored everybody's hair that was black blue for texture. It's blue. It's definitely blue. Like I um I actually picked up the uh, digital comic for it, and it's blue. It's. <laughs> It's so strange. Back then, they just couldn't get the black right and show you texture, but now, I guess, with computer coloring, it's totally different. But back then, you're like, why does everybody have blue hair? It's so strange. And I knew it was supposed to be black, but it's definitely, like, an undeniable hot blue. <laughs> the, uh, the armors. This is before um, they changed the armor every single time a new artist would come on. I mean, at this point, I think Iron Man had only been through about five suits, and they were made for specific reasons. But then all of a sudden, like in the 90s, once uh, they rebooted it, I think Sean Chen took over in 96 as the artist. And every single time a new artist would come on, they would change the armor. So the way that we see it in the movies now and the way we see it in the comics is, yes, you know it's Iron Man, but it's not iconic. This, this is still like early on where he has those first two or three suits that everybody remembers. Uh-huh. And, and then, um, one thing, oh man, you know what? You just touched on something. One thing that I do know is that with Iron Man, as far as like his suits go, he's always tinkering. Um, with the movies, when you watch that first movie, he has that, you know it's Iron Man. When it's the second movie, it's an upgrade. When you watch the third movie, it's an upgrade. You watch the Avengers, it's an upgrade. <laughs> like, I think they are paying homage to the fact that every time there's a new artist, there's a new suit, there's a new look for it. Um, with this one, the suit that he's using in this comic, uh, in this uh, series right here, that is one of the ones that I do remember very fondly when I was picking up Iron Man for the first time. Yeah, this is this is when they started tinkering with the idea of new suits. You know, we talked about it during Secret Wars. Spider-Man was like one of those first guys that redid his entire costume. It was a huge sensation, and slowly you started seeing that in some of the other heroes. And you see two of them here. This is when Iron Man stopped being golden red, where he became silver and red. And then Captain America makes an appearance where he's no longer Captain America. He's the U.S. agent. Or, no, he's the captain, and he's wearing that mm -hmm. black suit. So this is when they first started tinkering around with people's looks. And, and, and you know, like, um, I think it's, it's the whole thing of it's, it's starting to be, you know, we're, we're trying to find our edge. We're trying to find our appeal. This is, like, right before the 90s where everything got angular and everything got dark and everything got, you know, 
I think they were definitely testing waters with that because I mean, all black Captain America suit. <laughs> I mean, this is this is uh if I if I was if memory serves me correctly, this is right after Secret Wars, the original um the original run of Secret Wars. It's three years later, I believe. Three years later. Okay. Yeah. So I think since that uh that Spider-Man change was so well received, this is when they're going to actually start saying, you know what? What can we do? to liven up our characters because in the talks of livening up characters this story arc and also uh, the second one uh, demon in the bottle that definitely livens up the entire feel of iron man the costume change definitely is a liven up to iron man um the, I, I and just seeing this seeing this part of iron man as well too in the story definitely helps flesh out that character more um with the 90s, like I said, we are going to go into, like, that darker type of comic books, but now we see, like, the progression to it, especially with Armor Wars. Yeah, and this is when Iron Man was one of the only armored characters. In the 90s, all of a sudden, they gave everybody metal suits. Daredevil, Spider-Man, Captain America. All of a sudden, everybody started wearing these huge, bulky, stupid-looking suits, poorly drawn. 90s were the worst <laughs> period ever for anatomically correct artwork. Just you know, one of my favorite things about that is um, <laughs> when you you came to me a couple a uh, couple weeks ago and you said, "Hey, what's some new ones that we want to talk about?" And I was like, "You know what? I want to talk about that really ridiculous looking Batman." <laughs> oh right, what was that Nightfall? <laughs> yeah, Nightfall. I want to talk about the really ridiculous Batman from Nightfall because I, I have to know the story of why that suit looked like that. Yeah, that suit is atrocious. Oh my god. <laughs> All right, so I've been going through, just to pause real quick, I've been going through, uh, there's this place called Hamilton Book where I buy a bunch of clearance comic books, um, mm -hmm. not, not single issues, but the trade paperbacks, and I'm picking up some, and I thought, ooh, these would be great. No, most of them are shit. That's why they're on clearance. I'm so stupid. And Comic Bento. I was like, ooh, every, okay, a Comic Bento's theme in August was aquatic. So therefore, I assume of any of the graphic <laughs> novels I'm going to get, I'm going to get Aquaman. Nope. I get four pirate books from independent studios that are all boring as hell, and I get the Fantastic Four and the Inhumans uh, called Atlantis Rising. Why does it say Inhumans? It should say Submariner, because he's the main core of the story. And it's from the uh, mid-90s, and the artwork is so fucking terrible. When the Human Torch takes off, he is huge. He's like Superman size, and the way they drew his chest looks like there's a bomb about to explode his ribcage apart, because that is not... <laughs> First off, he's not a bulky character. They do that with the Flash, too. And I'm like, no, not a bulky character. And also, what the hell's wrong with his body? He looks like he's morphing into something else. Can we, speaking of anatomically incorrect, um, <laughs> um, what's up with the bulk up with all these people? <laughs> like, you took Batman. Like, I know Batman's supposed to be, you know, big, but he still has some acrobatic to him. Um, I'm looking at this Nightfall right now, uh, and he is huge. Oh, my God. Okay, well, it, it, when it was Batman, um, it wasn't actually Bruce Wayne. It was Azrael, who was an armored <laughs> superhero, and he took over as Batman, so he's a different build. But, yes, during the <laughs> 90s, all of a sudden, everybody became huge, um, and they all had pouches for some reason. It was pouches everywhere. Pouches, uh, really tall, and just, just obnoxiously huge. Like, yeah. there's no way... That I should be able to crack a can, uh, crack a can on somebody's six pack. Like that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's that evolution of Image Comics. You know, Todd McFarlane, Rob LaField, Eric Larson. 
uh, all those guys who just went overboard with detail and exaggerated bodies. This Iron Man Armor Wars is the golden age. This is before everything went to shit. Um, M.B. <laughs> Bright is the artist on this one who we loved his artwork on uh, Emerald Dawn. Um, I think it took yes, place a year after this. And he did G.I. Joe for a while. And he's a really good artist that doesn't do much anymore. He mostly does independent comics and religious stuff. And, and if that's what he wants to do, that's what he wants to do. But there is something seriously missing in artwork during the 90s that he has here, and it's realistic muscle. You can be strong and bulky, but you got to look like a normal human being. And, uh, like, here's, here's one. The, um, he also did some artwork for Spider-Man, who, who I, as far as, like, the whole body development goes for superheroes, I like the way that they make Spider-Man look because it looks believable. And he definitely did one in the in '87, and I'm like, that's what a superhero should look like, <laughs> versus you know the 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 excruciating amount of muscle that they have. <laughs> <laughs> and this is written by Dave Michelin. Um, he was one of the oh. major writers of Spider-Man during the '80s and '90s, basically responsible for giving us Venom. And then not only that, you you mentioned him, but I also want to throw uh, Bob Layden. I hope I'm saying that right. No, that's Layton. right. Yeah, okay. Uh, he did work for the Avengers, Captain America, uh, Spider-Man as well, too. Uh, he also did DC. He also did uh, – with uh, DC, he did a lot of Batman comics. And he also did – there was another one that caught me off with that one. Uh, he also did some independent work. Um, and, and that – it's just like you can do it all. You, 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 you do whatever you feel like. <laughs> Yeah, it's a shame that a lot of these guys who I grew up with are no longer in the industry anymore. It's not because they retired. It's because the world has changed so much in comic books. I kind of miss the very streamlined, straightforward, intelligent writing instead of this long, convoluted uh, – some of the, the people that people uh, acclaim about, um, I just don't get into. Alan Moore has never been a writer that I got into even though he's probably the most critically acclaimed. Hey, one thing with me. One thing with me is this: I think, I think they realize that we do like these interwoven stories. However, I don't think every story needs to be a, 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 a throwback to a story that we saw three years ago, or you know, fast forward two years ago, and this doesn't make sense. Uh, I think sometimes, like I think the comments that we need nowadays, we have too many tie-ins, and we have too many um, refer back to this comic or wait for this comic. Can I just get one that's start to finish nowadays? Yeah, <laughs> like Marvel. There's a lot. This... Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, with this one, it's very, like, a lot of the comics that we have discussed, they are very start to finish. Even with the major events, like, I know with the major events, like, you have Secret Wars and you have the Infinity Gauntlet. When those first came out, yes, you had comics leading up to it, and then it happened, and then after that, it was done. You didn't have the before, during, and after. Now we have before, during, after, the side story, the side story, the side story character side story the side stories and the side stories character i'm like i don't care about that <laughs> i don't want to buy 80 issues in, in order to get the whole story that's insane <laughs> fucking brightest day seriously new 52 i can nobody can afford this many, this many comics <laughs> no i don't care what kind of subscription you have i'm not gonna read all of them <laughs> they treat it like it's a drug i can just see somebody in the corner going yo i'll suck your dick for the new iron man costume or comic i need to finish the storyline i need it <laughs> Where instead of crack, instead of crack epidemic, we got the uh, comic ac uh, epidemic, <laughs> where um, we got like a Pablo Escobar type character, and he's moving comics. <laughs> the freshest around. <laughs> <laughs> the freshest comics are still in the wrapper. 
there is this uh, this mom and pop company that started earlier this year called Alterna Comics, and every single issue is a standalone issue. It's printed on newsprint, and they're like a buck an issue or something like that. It's like the old school style way. Now it's not the best art or the best writing, but they get that some people are overwhelmed with what's going on in the major comics. And like I, like I said, I, I think a lot of these things, um, they rush to make it interesting. They rush to make it convoluted. They rush to make it, you know, I, I, I don't like that. That is one of the things I don't like about modern comics is the fact that it, it doesn't have to be a tie-in. It really doesn't. It could be its own start to finish. Um, that is one thing I do notice about the the older comics. It's just like uh, um, I have the I have the Marvel digital comic app reader on my phone, and anytime I get one of the old ones, it's start to finish, and I can get you know I can get the entire set, and it's nine dollars. However, if I do anything with the newer comics, I'm paying twenty thirty dollars to read all the comics. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> Um, back, back to Armor Wars, though. I'm looking at some of the villains, and I think it's funny how some of the costumes are pure winners. Like you said, Stingray, the Beatles costume is, is fantastic, but some of these are goofy. I can't believe Hawkeye went around for decades with that giant piece of leather between his legs. And thank goodness we, they updated the costume because it looks so damn stupid. Can we talk about, like, uh, with with uh, Hawkeye? Hawkeye, I love Hawkeye to death. I really like his character. Um, people can sit here and argue that he doesn't have superpowers. That's cool, whatever. He does wear purple, though. <laughs> and, and it makes it look cool. <laughs> He's the prince he of comic purple. books. And then he also has, like, the little ears, like, well, the little <laughs> elongated mask or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that's about. That was, like, a weird trend. High collars and uh, pointed masks. Oh, man. I... I Definitely am thankful for the Hawkeye update for that one. But like you said, a lot of the characters that they did pull out, a lot of the villains, a lot of the heroes, uh, they definitely got a facelift in them. Um, like uh, like a, we already said Stingray. We also said, um, I want to say Controller as well, too. Got a nice little upgrade as well, too. Yeah, he looks strange. Uh, uh, the Titanium Man and uh, uh, Dynamo. Oh, damn it. Uh, their costumes look. Dynamo, yeah. Yeah, their costumes are amazing. They're so layered and intricate, um, and, and those hold up really well. Well, and then, um, like, like, like I said, but you can also you can see that change. Going back to what we were talking about before, you can see that change where Secret Wars kind of played into this a little bit, where we're getting more stories, we're getting more developed people, um, and then not only that. Um, I also want to. One thing I, I want to lead into with that was the fact of um, when I picked this up, I was really anticipating. I think this kind of leads way into the fact that Iron Man has how many suits now? <laughs> yeah, like three hundred. Like he has three hundred. He's got a suit for everything. He's got a he's got a suit for, the, for space. He's got a suit for exploration. He's got all of that. I think this story right here definitely leads way into. The, the massive expansion of Iron Man and all his suits because that's one of the things that draw me to him is the fact that he has a suit for everything. <laughs> I think I know what that sound is. Are you clicking your mouse? No. Because <laughs> it'll, it'll go a long time without it and then I hear it and I don't know what it is. It's weird. Uh, never mind. And I, like, I, I actually unplug my mouse. I, I'm using the touchpad on my laptop. All right. I don't even know what I'm hearing. Maybe it's my own head. I'm going crazy. <laughs> No, but with uh, 
this is definitely this is definitely more of a uh, development, a more of an eye-opening story, a more of a um, it, it's a gateway. Well, I also that's, like that's, the fact that this is when Captain America and Iron Man were kind of rebellious against the government. They became uh, enemy of the states instead of part of the state. Exactly. And now, and still going back into that whole secret identity thing, um, he's still Iron Man. And he's still Tony Stark. And, and the government talks to, they want to talk to Tony Stark, but they like, hey, man, you got to help us get rid of Iron Man. He has a whole other secret identity for Iron Man. <laughs> Well, it also was confusing because this is during that period when Rhodey had been playing Captain America for a while. Ever since Demon in a Bottle is when Rhodey would step in the suit. And so I think there was some ambiguous, like, they weren't sure because sometimes they see Tony Stark in a room and all of a sudden Iron Man would show up. And this is before he had the automated suit, you know, or, or I think now it's like nanobots that leak out of his pores and become the suit, which is the strangest damn thing I've ever heard of. Um, but yeah, Rhodey was really starting to become a big part of the comic. Which is important also to the movies. Um, did you like the switch from part one to part two um, when they got? Oh, damn it! Who they had in the first movie? They had um, the first movie. They had Terrence Howard. Oh, yeah, and then became and Don Cheadle. Yeah. And then it became Don Cheadle. I'm I'm gonna be honest. Either I could see either one. Either one. I, I it does it didn't really matter to me who played what as long as I could definitely see that that's my partner. Yeah. It, well, I always think it's weird that Marvel goes, well, we were always looking at Don Cheadle. We weren't happy with Terrence Howard's performance. And secretly, it turns out he just asked for more money and they made up a lie. I was like, you know what? Why didn't you just pony up an extra million for – come on. That's just insulting. Terrence Howard got nominated for a damn Academy Award. I did, but I, I, that is one thing. I did like the – I don't know. There was some kind of weird chemistry that they had that I kind of liked. Um I did like that. It, it, like the, um, <laughs> the the phone call they had where he's just like, Tony, what am I going to tell these people? He's like, just tell them it was a trainer exercise. It's like, they're never going to believe that. <laughs> and the next thing, Terrence Howe's like, it was a training exercise. <laughs> <laughs> um, to wrap up the story real quick, though, taking on Firepower was one serious villain. I mean, he beats the absolute snot out of Iron Man. And what I hate, though, is like two issues later, he beats Firepower. And I'm like, how do you diminish what you know, I would consider a new great villain and, and just throw away? It's like the Doomsday effect, where Doomsday killed Superman, and then like a couple years down the road, they bring it back, and all of a sudden, he's just kicking the shit out of Doomsday. I was like, no, he's still a great villain. You just ruined it. You made him into a joke. I, 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 think, I think one of the things, I've not seen Firepower for a long time. And that kind of makes me a little that like that, like like you said, it's a really good superhero. Um, besides besides the Mandarin, who I feel still does not get his spotlight, and the current Iron Man, well, I, I guess what they would call the current Iron Man meta, um, firepower definitely should have been you know in place there because I, I feel like if you're gonna have a if you're gonna have a superhero. Make one villain just like him, and then make another villain the total opposite of him. And Firepower was definitely the villain that was just like him. And like you said, he came in, he was kicking his ass. It was a good fight, and he almost lost. And then he miraculously pulled it out. <laughs> the uh, I don't imagine they'll ever bring him into the movies, because if you look at the first movie, like when Jeff Bridges gets into the armor, that's kind of the Firepower suit. It is, and then not only that, in the second movie... We see, even with the second movie, with the second movie, we see the guy get the same kind of Iron Man suit as well, too, and they go at it, and then Iron Man wins at the end. Um, 
So I don't think we'll ever go to see the, you know, a firepower or a firepower like person because they'll be like, y'all just finished the movie like y'all did the first and the second movie. Yeah, I thought it was stupid that Whiplash was put into a suit because it never happens in the comics and he's still a serious villain. That Maybe they thought the audience wouldn't believe that he was on the same level as Iron Man, that he'd give him a, uh, a challenge. Plus, Mickey Rourke, I mean, come on, just the insanity alone that's coming out of whatever it is that's in Mickey Rourke's head. That was good enough for a villain. I don't need him to be thrown into another suit of armor. The, the, I mean, Iron Man 2, where they were on the racetrack, and he pulls out the, you know, he pulls out the whips, and they're having a good fight. I expected more of that. I didn't expect him to get a bigger suit and not use the whips anymore. <laughs> and were you mad about uh, the reveal in part three where the Mandarin is not the Mandarin and it's a whole other villain, the extremist? I, um, here's, here's how I feel about Iron Man 3. I feel like there were only two Iron Man movies. Like, I feel there were only two Indiana Jones, uh, three Indiana Jones films. See, I really I'm... enjoy the third Iron Man. I didn't <laughs> care about the Mandarin thing. It didn't bother me because y- you want... I, the problem with adaptations is that people want them to be exactly like the comic and therefore you ruin some of the surprises that can come and i thought they did a good job and i if i remember correctly isn't there like a like there is a mandarin it's just not ben kingsley it's another person who's actually mandarin and then the extremes was kind of a distraction from the who the real mandarin is so that's that's what we are looking at so like with the third iron man the third Iron Man ties kind of into the extremist uh, comic, which, like I said before, is one of my favorites. And then uh, we also get the Mandarin introduced. Um, and then it's just like, hey, that's not really me. I'm, I'm, I'm somebody else. Don't worry about that. Um, the only reason, the only reason that kind of ticked me off a little bit was that's his Joker. Mandarin is his Joker. Yeah, I guess right. that would be like saying, uh, you know, Heath Ledger gave the reveal that the whole time he wasn't the Joker, that he was just playing around, and that someone else is a Joker <laughs> waiting the wings. I guess that would feel kind of like a kick in the balls. Yeah, like that, that, that's my thing. So, like, imagine watching, imagine watching uh, The Dark Knight, and you get, you know, two-thirds of the way through the movie, and you've already seen Heath Ledger do all the Heath Ledger stuff, and then Batman confronts him, he takes the mask off, hey, man, I'm not the Joker, I'm actually the Penguin. Okay, yeah, all right, I get it now. (laughs) I would, (laughs) it's just, here's my thing. With with my favorite, with my favorite characters, um, you got Iron Man, he's a techhead, he's a huge techhead, one of the smartest people, and you have the Mandarin, the Mandarin is a magician, all right, He, he uses all the dark arts, those two do not mix at all, and the, and that's why I'm just like, that's his ultimate rival. That's his ultimate. Um, I just want that screen time. <laughs> uh, before we go, real quickly, do you think they're going to kill Iron Man off in Infinity War? No. I think they will. I think they realize that they're costing... Wow, I mean, how much do you think Robert Downey Jr. is getting a movie now? $50 million After his initial pay and then all his back-end deals? Hey, you know who I think they're going to kill off? Who? Captain America. That could be another. You know, I actually expected Captain America to die at the end of Civil War or Iron Man to die at the end of Civil War, and it surprised me when they didn't take out either one. And I was like, wait, what? No, but in the comics, oh, I see what you did there. We were expecting it, and then you took us out, you know. (laughs) So someone's going to die. You know they're going to clean some house. Some people are going to go, and I know everybody says, Hawkeye, Hawkeye should die. Dude, just leave Jeremy Renner alone, okay? Just come on. (laughs) I love Hawkeye. I love Hawkeye. Like, like the the entire Avenger, like, 
I don't think anybody's doing a bad job. I think everybody's doing a great job in the movies. And there's not a character I'm just like, yay, it's Iron Man. Boo, I hate the Vision. It's like, no, I like Vision. I like Hawkeye. I like um, 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 Black Widow. Scarlet Witch is probably one of my favorites. Um, because for a Bat character, she definitely is a very developed character. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, that was the next storyline that we were talking about possibly doing is the Avengers Disassembled, where it's very crucial around Scarlet Witch's character and Hawkeye. Exactly. And then, uh, so we have, so just, just to, just to clear things up, we are going to talk about Batman Nightfall because, you know, edge armor needs to be talked about. <laughs> and then also we're going to do, like we said, Avengers Disassembled as well. <laughs> All right. So that is it for this episode of Comics on Infinite Earths. Check us out on Facebook under Retro Rocket Entertainment. That's where you get all the podcasts that we do. And Avery, thank you very much for another episode. Not a problem, man. I love being here. All right, everybody. Have a good night. Everybody, welcome to Comics on Infinite Earths. Now, why are we playing that song? It's because we're going to discuss Secret Wars, the 2015 edition. I'm your host, Michael, and Avery's back. What's up, Avery? Not much, man. How you guys doing tonight? All right. Now, this is one meaty book. Uh, the very first episode that we did together a year ago was the original Secret Wars 1 and 2. And uh, I got to say, in comparison, that was like a light snack. This is a buffet. I am stuffed. <laughs> I don't fit. I don't like a fit anymore. I I I um I, I don't know what I was really talking about when I was just like, yeah, let's let's do the new one. Let's do the new one. You know, after I was hyped up off the first one, and then I'm like, oh, let me go pick up the second one. And the second one is like, like you said, it's a buffet, except it's like three different restaurants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're not sure if you like every flavor, but you give it a try. <laughs> Oh no, it was you know, but it was well worth it. Um, go and uh, I think with that first one, I was like, hey, you know, it was with that first Secret Wars, I was like, it's gonna be fun. It was a fun read. It was an interesting read. Um, this was at the hype. Uh, you know, this was at like the uh, pinnacle of comic books being the cool, the it thing, the the thing to have. Um, and then you see Secret Wars 2015 come out, and now you're like. This is like at that point where comic books are everything again, you know, because there was that decline and then we bring it back and now we're back at where comic books and, and superheroes are everywhere again. And I love it. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm going to go ahead and say this. Uh, there's not a lot of weight to the original Secret Wars, but I had fun reading it. This was exhausting. It's so incredibly dense. There's so much going on. It does not help that I have been out of the comic book loop since Blackest Night. I will pick up stuff here and there, but for the most part, I've been going retro. I have no idea how we got to this point. Do you? As far as, like, the point that we've gotten to now, um, I will say this. This is, um, I will say it's a good thing. I will say it's a bad thing. I will say it's, it's just, it's the culmination between everything between uh be, because in this secret wars we're not we're not doing uh superheroes versus supervillains we are past that all right that is old we're looking at 
actual continuity versus other continuity. We're looking at two different Earths, um, two different universes actually colliding into each other. That uh, how do we get to this point? Like I said, it's 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 what the fans wanted. It's it's a great way to reset your. Uh, it's a great way to reset all your series. Um, it it just it works. It's a little tragic. But it needs to happen. We all know that through these resets, uh, the incursions, the uh, uh, um, the secret wars, these resets, these have to happen because these stories do get very deep, convoluted. So you have to find a way to, you know, end it and let's start over. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, well, I mean, this is the first time that Marvel's redone their universe, whereas DC does it like once every decade, sometimes less. Like, uh, but Marvel, you're right. It, we have characters who have been at it since Vietnam. And you're like, well, how the hell is that possible, you know? And they've rebooted Spider-Man with Brand New Day. But this is, like, you're talking the everything. They're, they're restarting over. They're getting rid of a lot of their other worlds, like the zombie world and ultimate world. Um, there's another world they got rid of. Oh, they, uh, let's see. So the major ones will be the 616 continuity, uh, which is what, like, that's your basic, that's your original. They, they call that one Earth Prime now. Uh, you got your 1610, which is like your ultimates. Uh, at this point, actually, uh, at the start of this series, uh, the actual Secret Wars, um, all the other multi-universes are gone. Uh, we're actually starting out where there's only two, where you only have the um, 616 and the 1610 um, universes, and those are the only two that are in existence, and they're on a collision course with each other. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and what this shows basically is that it's become like an amalgam world, not DC and Marvel, but where they've taken bits and pieces from all those worlds and condensed it into one, which oddly enough, when I was right out of college, I started working on this outline for a T-show, where it was like they wanted to create a timeline change. They just want to go back in time, but the whole thing kind of like went crazy. And it was, as it would go around the world, it was picking up something from like say Europe in fourteen or 1942, and then it would go to like the Old West. It would go to Samurai times, and, and then put it all in one place. Uh, so I thought that was kind of funny that that actually happened in comic books. <laughs> I, I mean, I will say that that is uh, it, it is kind of crazy that they do do that, but then you have to realize that it is a necessary it is a very necessary thing because like i said we're dealing with a, a a clean slate here we're dealing with uh stories that have gone on for decades you know we're dealing with story arcs and and origins and these things have been around and they're older but we're now getting a fresh face with them so i mean I like the different timelines, but like I said, they can be convoluted at times too. So it's a welcomed, yet it's a bittersweet welcome. <laughs> yeah, and I'm looking at this. Hickman has basically become their go-to guy. You know, 10 years ago, it was Brian Michael Bendis. And I have to say that he wrote in a more pop style, which is easier to understand. He might have simplified something that was complicated. Jonathan Hickman seems like a novel writer. It's, like I said, super dense. There's so much detail. There's so many characters that I don't know what the hell is going on. I was a little frustrated, but that's my fault for walking away from comic books for so many years. And, and my thing is, uh, I was actually looking at a Hickman's record, and he does not do anything small. Uh, we're looking, like, like his, his comic, you know, the things that he's wrote for has been the Avengers, the new Avengers. He's He's been on both sides. He's done the Secret Wars. We've done the... Um, let me see what else. Uh, he's also did uh, 
Fantastic Four, and this was the newer series as well, too. Uh, and then he also did uh, some work with Image Comics as well, too. I'm not as versed in Image Comics. You might know some things over there, but I think I'll actually start picking those up after I read this one, yeah, <laughs> after we, I read this one. The show is heavy Marvel DC, but we do need to explore other worlds. I'm actually thinking about picking up Invincible and starting all over again, because that was one of my favorite series. And, and, and that's actually one of the last things from image that I really stuck to was that and walking dead and walking dead just got so gross i couldn't i couldn't <laughs> but uh what i what i will say was this so um one thing i will say about uh jonathan hickman like i said he it's it's a diverse but he he's only pulled in for those big series like the uh infinity uh series as well to the the and you don't see him on anything like, you know, oh, he has a cameo here or something small role here. No, he's always on the bigger stuff. And I do like that. It's just because, like you said, he is able to take those bigger those bigger events and condense them down to something, you know, doable. He's also able to take characters from all universes, like, like different parallels, and find a way to fit them in together. Because uh, when we get into this, we're going to be throwing out names left and right that have never interacted with each other and he finds a way to put them in this story for it to make sense uh it doesn't say in the back of this book where Asad ribbick started at but i know his name i know that art did he was he on captain america for a while let me see, uh let me look that up real quick let's see you do 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 the ones that let me see the biggest ones that he's done um you said captain america i don't see one for captain america i have the avengers uh, and I also have plenty of X-Men. We're talking like Uncanny X-Men, uh, X-Men Children of Adam, but I don't see anything for Captain America. But oh, okay. I, I thought his, I think, no, I'm not seeing anything for Captain America. Yeah, I must be thinking of huh. somebody else. But the art is excellent. It's It's got a lot of detail. The facial features, while they're not like cartoony, like, uh, um, you know, some of the DC stuff is a little more cartoony. Like we were talking about Emerald Dawn yesterday. He has a lot more gravitas, I think. It looks a little more realistic. And like I said, I think that goes hand in hand with the direction that Marvel was going to. With we are, we still acknowledge that there are superheroes, but we want to make them more. Like I will say, Marvel will probably does the best work at making their characters seem more human giving them these human attributes uh, and like i said that's i'm a diehard fan for that like i love these superheroes i love the fact that you know we see them as invincible but it is so much better when we see them flawed yeah <laughs> well the ultimate line is kind of what started that trend and if you look at mike diodato's artwork over the last like 50 years, he's gotten so much realism in his artwork like uh, I remember reading something, not Thunderbolts, but, uh, no, actually I think it was Thunderbolts, where he had a mask with the Green Goblin sitting on a desk, and I'm like, that looks like a photo, not a, <laughs> it wasn't drawn. And you're right, Marvel's <laughs> kind of going for that, that, uh, realistic look. That is great. I mean, they're, they're, they're really, I, I like that, like, they're still focusing on the realism, but they're not going so bad with it that it's still, like, when they do something that is, you know, on the level of being a superhero, we're not surprised by it. Um... So I will give it to Marvel for finding a way to have that balance between them. But, uh, like, I, I love that. Like, the fact that they still have this balance of real-life superheroes. We're, I mean, we're, deal we're dealing with almost gods here and creators of the universe, and they still have problems. <laughs> All right, let's get into the meat of Secret Wars. 
I'm gonna let you guide this one because I think you had a better handle on what was going on. Oh my! Uh, you know what? <laughs> um, I, I I actually like that's actually one of the things I was doing. Like I'm sitting here, I'm going over all my notes, and I realize I'm like this is the meatiest thing. Like I, I'm gonna have. I found little ways to condense it down, but it's meaty. <laughs> it is very meaty, but it starts off, like I said, it starts off with there are no more universes. All the other universes are gone. We only have Earth 616 and 1610, and they are on their way to collide with each other. Okay. Um, now, the beginning of this starts off um, with both sides. You know, you're pretty much, you're pretty much seeing. Uh, Reed Richards from the 616 continuity say, guys, we got to do something about this. He's got his plan going. Um, and then you see the 1610, what we're going to call the maker, which is also uh, Mr. Fantastic. Uh, you're going to see both of these guys going back and forth to try to do everything that they can to save their side. Um, but then you have uh, people like Spider-Man. He's out there fighting. You have Cyclops. Uh, he's out there fighting as well, too. You get all the villains, like, in a room, just sitting around laughing, like, look at this. We didn't have to do any of this, and they're killing themselves, you know? And, and they feel so good about that. <laughs> yeah, it's weird seeing the villains with a true upper hand, because, like you said, in the Secret Wars, basically it was just, like, a contest. It was like the, the series Contest of Champions, just taking random villains and heroes who were his most popular at that time. And just watching them wallop each other. This is much more like mind game. It's a chess piece, you know. They're just moving around and altering the game just in a second. And, and now the funny thing is, even though the like the villains are sitting around, they're having a good time, they're celebrating. Uh, the celebration does not last long at all. Um, we get the Punisher to enter in and pretty much just say, "Not on my watch, guys," and <laughs> takes care of the takes care of the entire problem there. Um, while this is going on, like I said, uh, while this is going on, there's fights both sides. You know, they're, they're, no one wants their world to be the one that's going to implode. No one wants their world to be the one that's going to go. Um, during this incursion, uh, Reed Richards, what he does is he has a lifeboat and he teleports several key members. Uh, and we're talking like Spider-Man, Thor, uh, Star-Lord, uh, Miss Marvel. And, and, and here's the thing, like, I'll, I will say this. Uh, with the newer Marvel, uh, we do see those those people that were side characters before become up in the forefront, like uh, Black Panther. Uh, we get Star Lord now. We get Miss Marvel. Uh, these people were teleported away, and he, like I said, he only teleported away the key people. Um, from there, the the incursion continues, and the entire world is like both worlds. The entire universe is gone. Um, from there, we get Doctor Doom to recreate the universe and we'll go back to what we mean by that later um dr doom pretty much recreates the universe and I, I i've said this in previous episodes that this is my favorite comic book character of all time i i love really? dr doom wow uh, i mean i like dr. Uh, doom, he, but did you ever read and if you haven't you need to read the uh fantastic four 350 through i think it's 348 through 352 and it's such a mind game, and the art's fantastic. But it's when the thing decides whether or not he wants to be a thing. He was human at the time, and using a thing suit. And Doctor Doom has set up this huge plan where they're jumping around in time. Him and Reed, and, and it's it's amazing. It's one of the best storylines I think they've ever done. Gotcha. Nineteen ninety one, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Already have a taste. 
Good, good, good. All right, so Doctor Doom, like I said, Doctor Doom is one of my favorite uh, characters of all time. Um, he he isn't. I wouldn't necessarily say your stereotypical villain. Um, if your interests align with his interests, he does not have any ill will towards you. But if your interests do not, if they interfere with his plans or his people that that I would almost say cult like you know status, if it interferes with him or his uh, his followers, you will be a problem somehow, and he will deal with you. <laughs> um, one thing is, uh, th so they start off with, you know, basic day-by-day -day stuff, you know, and um, his right-hand man, his number two, is Doctor Strange, another one of my favorite characters there. Um, and, and I'm just sitting here, I'm like, this is great. Like, when I'm picking this up, I'm reading this, it's like, you got Doctor Strange, you got... Uh, uh, um, Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom, and they're both on the same side. Yeah, Obviously, think that would happen. <laughs> like, who, whoever thought this would happen? Who, who where could you see this from ever? Um. Anyways, the the story starts off. Um, Sinister gets arrested by an army of Thors and is brought to trial before Doom. Uh, he is pitted in a trial by combat with uh, uh he is pitted with a trial by combat, and then while this is going on, Doom's like, "Hey, look, I don't care about this." I don't care about it at all. Let me tell you, I was really going. On. And he said, somebody here is a traitor. And one of the people that is brought forth is a guy named Braddock. Uh, Braddock in the Marvel Universe. Let me see where we're looking at. Uh, there, There's a set of brothers. We have um, Brian, and then we also have his other brother. Where is he at? We're talking about Captain yeah. Brian, correct? Yes, sir. Captain Britain. So, uh, Captain Britain is going to be Brian. He is actually sent out to be banished from the uh, from his Doom's little castle uh, to the Deadlands to fight, and that's pretty much his punishment for betraying and trying to start a rebellion. Uh, while while this is going on, while this is going on, um, team a group of scientists collectors uh, they find a ship out, you know, a little ways outside of Doom's little castle. Um, and we'll go into detail with Doom's Castle because I like his setup. Um, they find this ship, and out of the ship comes the Cabal, and they're led by Thanos. And then, of course, this is Thanos that we're talking about, and he goes berserk. He's killing. He kills uh, a Thor clone. Um, they they figure out where they are, and they say, "Hey, look, man, this world has a lot of names, but we call this world Battle World." And that's when everything starts coming together a little bit. I'm like, so it's it's we still have those themes from the original uh, Secret Wars there, and I do enjoy that. Um, from Doom's Castle, however, is built on a giant tree. Uh, his wall, like he has a giant wall that is uh, the perimeter of it, is Ben Grimm, and then it is actually being patrolled by a Galactus as well too. <laughs> So, like, he has the setup. <laughs> like, there is no way you're getting into this, into his fortified fortress, because it's just not going to happen. Um, let me see. Now, while this is going on, uh, so uh, further on, um, Doctor Strange, Doctor Doom, they're sitting and they're just going over their day-to-day, -day, hey, look, this is everything that's happened. Um, and Doctor Doom, uh, Doctor Strange leaves to go investigate, investigate the uh, ship that they just found. Uh, when he gets there, um, he senses somebody was in the ship still, and it was Miles. Um, 
our Spider-Man, our ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, there's this reoccurring thing that's going on where only a select few characters really know about the incursions per, uh, beforehand. Uh, Doctor Doom is one, Doctor Strange is another, and Miles remembers as well, too. Now, anybody that knows this is it's pretty much forbidden knowledge. You're not supposed to know about this at all. Um, so he takes so Doctor Strange takes Miles to uh, a little safe haven called Agamotto, where other heroes that Doctor Strange has found. And going back to the uh, life ship from earlier, you're going to have the original Reed Richards. You're going to have Black Panther there. You're going to have um, Miles there now as well too. You're going to have Star Lord, uh, and then you're also going to have Cyclops as well too. They're all there. And Doctor Strange tells you guys, it tells them, hey, look, this is everything that's happened uh, for the past couple years. Y'all been in stasis for eight years. I found some of y'all five years ago. Um, Doctor Doom pretty much put the world together after the Beyonders destroyed it. <laughs> um, but that's how that pretty much went from there. Um, after that, we're looking at the um, this army of Thors. They finally tracked down. Thanos and they begin to fight and it's it's a vicious fight and then uh Doctor Strange realizes what's going on and the original Thor is right next to him and he's like hey look hey we gotta go we gotta go help these guys out um and they rush in to go and fight against the Cabal uh Doom one of the uh one of the uh <laughs> one of the uh clones comes back and says hey uh Doom we need some help because there's this guy out here he's crazy it's Thanos, and we need your help. We need your help taking them down. And Doom's like, look, man, all I see is mortals fighting right now. I see nothing else but mortals. So y'all got that. And so Doom's now, he's kind of has a small interest in the fight, and he's looking at the fight, and he sees Reed Richards appear, and he suddenly goes into the fight because he's been looking. So the thing is about the universe that Doom has created is that every Marvel superhero, supervillain, is there in Doom's little world, but they are not who they who they were beforehand. Um, Basically, bowing but he down. has not yeah. bowing yeah. down, brainwashed, or just desperate. So you know, it, it it takes away a lot. It's funny seeing Thanos kind of uh, not in charge because you know we talked about Infinity Gauntlet last year, and I love the fact that he had all that power and all, all in charge. And you know what, Doctor Doom says, I don't give a shit. I want that glove. It's, it's 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 nothing, you know. And and right now at this point. Um, <laughs> at this point as well too it's just like the the level that Thanos was last year when we were talking about him is in it, you can't even compare to what Doom is now uh, that's that's the that's even the better um, now when Doom gets there he sees you know Thanos and Thanos you know him uh, so Doom tries to talk to Reed Richards he's just like hey what the heck are you doing here what's going on what's happening he's he's irate and Thanos, being who he is, interrupts him and challenges Doom. And Doom, that, that ticks him off. Uh, Doom has a very fragile psyche as well. Too. If you tell Doom something that is not true, that he believes is true, he will break. <laughs> uh, Doom says, hang on, slow down. I am pretty, I am God here, okay? Uh, Cyclops hears this. He goes berserk. He's already in Phoenix mode from before. Um, he runs up, tries to combat Doom. And Doom grabs him by his neck and kills him with like the swiftest motion. <laughs> and my thing, my thing is this: we all know that it's Cyclops, and Cyclops is a tactician. Uh, 
we know that Cyclops is smart. He's powerful. Um, and then with the Phoenix Force, he's pretty much untouchable. But for Doom to reach out and not even fight him and just break his neck and that's it, that was a very, like, humbling. Like, the first time I seen that, the uh, the panel for the art, it was a very humbling experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just like everything you know about the Phoenix Force just went out the window. It doesn't matter now. <laughs> um, Doom now, in turns gets pretty mad, and he's ready to kill everybody there. Doctor Strange says, no, you're not going to let – he's not going to let that happen. And he teleports everybody away from the battlefield. Um, Doctor Strange then tells Doom, he was like, I've seen something in you that I've never seen before. And he said, I see fear in you. You have never been afraid anything, and I, and I see fear in you now. You saw Reed Richards, and you know that the only person here that even, that even, uh, even have the chance against you is Reed Richards. And Doom felt so threatened by this that he killed his right-hand man. Um, the thing with Doctor Strange, uh, him being the sheriff and Doom's right-hand man on Battleworld, was that he was generally loved, revered. Uh, the Thors uh, worshipped him as a warrior. The, the Your politicians loved him as well, too. He was very well-received. So when he died and everybody was like, he fell in combat, Doom's whole persona shifted. He went from of being this godlike person to hurt and damaged and he felt bad now you know and, and the people that saw it was his family and his family oddly enough is uh his wife susan storm uh his son franklin richards and uh valeria as well too yeah, and if know. you notice I'm stuff here so i don't know who valeria is and when did the thors become a thing like it looks like the green lantern corps of the thor i missed something <laughs> So the Thors, like the Thors, were kind of sprinkled in there. Um, the Thors were. It's. It wasn't a. Um, it's pretty much Thor clones. So what I gather is this: you have, yeah, you have Doom, and Doom is a master tactician as well too. He's going to have an army of the best fighters ever. He has an army of Thors to do all of his bidding. Um, Valeria uh, would be. Let's see, Valeria. Valeria is there for. Because one thing that Doom always wanted was a family. And Valeria was actually uh, originally Susan Storm and Franklin's uh, child as well, too. <laughs> um, Susan and uh, Susan and Richard, I'm sorry. I was but like, what? he's huh? He's Franklin. pretty much, so like, what I'm saying is this. Doom has pretty much stolen Reed Richard's entire family. That's the thing about Doom um, is that he didn't even come up with his own family. He's so jealous of Reed that he stole his life. And that's we're gonna get like that's one of the points of this it's just like uh we have doom here and he is an at this point he's an all-powerful being but he's still so hurt and he's still so driven by emotion and he takes reed richards family and then does a and then tries to track down reed richards so he could try to get rid of him so nothing can come in between doom's vision of what is perfect to him <laughs> That's uh, like I said, he's flawed, <laughs> and that's something Vastly. they've never ever tapped into in the movies. You know, the Fantastic Four movies have always lost that 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 connection. It's just like, oh, he's rich and powerful and he's angry. Well, why is he rich and powerful? You know, I mean, they never explain that. Just oh, he's just a villain. Ugh. He's just a villain. It's just like no, no. Doctor Doom has a very, very like dive. Like I love his backstory. His backstory, uh, just to deviate here for a second, Doctor Doom is a. Uh, 
he he's always been you know like I said semi rich semi wealthy. Um, he's like he lost his father, and the only person that was left to him was his mother, and he eventually lost his mother as well too. And some raiders took him in, and from these raiders he learned you know like everywhere doctor uh, everywhere uh he went Victor Von Doom wherever he went he learned something and he became you know he he influenced these people he he took the camp that that took him hostage as a child and now he runs that um what he what his thing is he always is seeking more power more possession more everything because all he wants to do is get his mom back from Mephisto and every and every year or every couple of years what he does is he goes down to the depths of hell fights for his mom's soul and loses and then he comes back more pissed more angry yeah. but more driven to you know try to try to be better next time um he eventually does get her back though but that's a story for oh another. hey i gotta know that one <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> he uh but like i said with there are very much there's strings attached to this like everything um from here um his daughter valeria notices these changes in his in her father and she's you know she's asking all kinds of questions like how did uh dr strange die how uh you know if you're so powerful and things like that why did these things happen doom can't discuss these things with this child um so what she does in turn is say can i at least hunt down those people the six, uh, you know, the the heroes from the six one six, you know. He's like, okay, go for it. Now, that's when Valeria starts up a little team, and they figure out, you know, they figure out a lot of things. Um, anytime something happens on Battle World, it's positive energy, uh, and it and it 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 feeds off of what Doom's it feeds off of Doom's power. But anytime Doctor Strange did anything, it was negative energy. So Doctor Strange had his own power source that wasn't feeding onto the planet like Doctor Doom's magic does. That's ironic um, that his would be positive energy and Doctor Strange was negative energy. You know, I mean, considering who they are. Consider considering who they are, but considering the circumstances as well too. Um, it, it's very weird, you know. And then they saw these things and it's just like something's not right here. Somebody we're being deceived here, but we don't know what's going on. So any information that we find out. It just stays between the secret circle that Valeria started. That's it. Um, and a couple uh, uh, from this point, a prophet comes along, and he is getting the people of Battle World together for rebellion against Doom. Um, the prophet actually turns out to be, um, let me see, Maximus. Now Maximus is uh, from the. He's also a Marvel villain as well, too. And this is what I was talking about with earlier. Uh, we're seeing characters from different storylines coming in. Uh, Maximus is actually from the in, uh, the Inhuman um, storylines, and he also appears in Fantastic Four as well, too. Um, but he's leading these people together, the people of Battleworld together, to start a rebellion against Doom. And at the same time, uh, Mr. Fantastic and uh, Mr. Fantastic and the Maker are trying to figure out what is the source of Doom's power. Um, Spider-Man, I can the Spider-Man. So we got a uh, we got a uh, Peter Parker and Miles. They sneak onto Castle Doom and then they find a hidden they find a hidden passage in uh, Doom's uh, garden. 
and we'll go and, and Doom's Garden is where a lot of the story takes place. There's a statue of uh, of Doctor Strange there after he passed away, and Doctor Doom frequents there because anytime Doctor Doom goes to his garden, there's a secret little passage that he opens up, and Molecule Man. <laughs> who was a major part of the original Secret Wars? Who I, uh, frankly has been forgotten, I think, for the last couple decades. Exactly, and so we have we have Owen Reese in there, and Owen Reese is every time you go in there, bring him some food, um, bring Owen Reese some food, or he will, or you know, and, and because when you're in his realm, you are to his, you are pretty much at his power, at his will. Um, Molecule Man also, like, uh, before him, Molecule Man also told Dr. Doom, he's like, hey, look, Dr. Doom, we all know what happened. He was like, there's not that many people that know that what happened at the beginning. And you weren't exactly there at the beginning either. Uh, Dr. Strange was there too. I was there too. And you arrived later. (laughs) Um, But apparently what happened was the Beyonders um, created these, created multiple universes and got bored. And then they say, you know what? Let's create Molecule Men and let's destroy what we've created because we're bored. And that's how the incursions happen. So we go from the incursions to uh, to uh, this now. And Doctor Doom, the only reason Doctor Doom is in power is because when the time came for this power to pass down, uh, Doctor Str- it went to Doctor Strange first. And Doctor Strange said, this is way too much power. Doctor, He was smart enough to know that. And so he passed it on to Doom, who took up that mantle, which is still another thing. Uh, uh, if we talk about from the original Secret Wars, how the same similar situation happened there, where Doom had all this power after he fought with the Beyonder and still had to fight to keep it contained inside of himself. And nobody knew about that internal struggle but him. Yeah. Um, and Molecule Man was there as well, too. <laughs> Can I say that this is, a, like I said, a very heavy story, but there's a moment of levity, which I enjoy to no end. I actually had to read it twice because it, it was so amusing, is when Spider-Man, uh, P- the Spider-Mans, uh, Peter and Miles, they get together to go meet the Molecule Man. He's like, did you bring anything to eat? And he's like, yeah, I got this hamburger. He's like, how long have you had this on you? How did you even fit Eight a hamburger years. in <laughs> Eight years. Eight years. <laughs> and... That was the other thing. So, like, with this seriousness and all this weight and all this, you know, uh, uh, um, we're, you know, this, this, everything, you know, the comical relief is still there with Molecule Man. Like, I want to say that Molecule Man is a very pivotal member of this story, but he was also the very comic relief there because it is so against everything that's going on in this story. He's so against this super serious thing. It's just like, I'm hungry. Y'all got to give me food. <laughs> Y'all gotta get me food, man, or I'm gonna literally die, and you don't want that to happen. <laughs> um, but the Spider-Man, they feed Molecule Man, and Molecule Man says, hey, look, um, I'll tell y'all whatever y'all need to know, because y'all gave me food. And they was like, hey, what is the source of Doctor Doom's power? And it was like, I'm the source of Doctor Doom's power. <laughs> and that's where they figure everything out from there. Um, from um, here, what we get is... Um, Doctor Doom prepares his forces. He sees that the Prophet is coming to power, so and he's you know he can observe this going on from his castle. So he gathers his forces to f- get ready to fight. And among his forces is um, I want to say, let me see, what is her name and then his name. So we got Apocalypse, a fan favorite, as one of Doom's um, <laughs> one of Doom's little Sinister. 
Apocalypse. Really? I see Mr. Sinister. I don't see... Where did, I, did they miss Apocalypse in this whole damn thing? Yeah. What? No, Mr. Sinister is in here. Mr. Sinister's here. Like, I, we're going... Like, he's still here, but he's fighting against Doom. Apocalypse is on his side, though. Oh, there you go. Um, Never mind. I missed it. I'm stupid. And then we also we also have Black Swan as well too. Black Swan is also one of Doom's uh, upper upper echelon men as well too. Upper echelon women. Um, meanwhile, uh, the next phase of the plan, Black Panther and Namor go back to Agamotto, uh, Doctor Strange's little his little hideaway, and they see what Doctor Strange has in case. What is his contingency plan? And they pass some trials. And the first thing that they get is a teleporter that can take them anywhere. And the second thing that they get bah, 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 bah. Is, the, is the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah! <laughs> and this is, I think this is a huge fan favorite there. The fact that uh, Black Panther gets the Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> oh. uh, we go, and then from here, uh, Thanos is then captured, and he's in prison. Now, the walls of the prison, like I said before, the walls of the prison are uh, made from, you know, structure, and it's also the thing. And the thing is holding up a significant portion of this wall. And Thanos is pretty much talking up um, Ben Grimm, saying, hey, look, man, you, you got tricked into being this, man. You don't have to do this. Uh, he tricked you into being the wall. He tricked Johnny Storm into being the sun. Um, he's tricked everybody. And I'm just like, and he's like, are you just going to lay down or are you going to stand up? Yeah, and that's a great moment seeing him. How did the thing get so big? That's what I'm confused by. <laughs> no idea. So we get Ben Grimm to stand up. And so like now he's no longer holding up the wall. And outside of uh, Doom's castle, outside of his fortress, is what uh, they call, to, I think they refer to it as the Deadlands. Um and in the deadlines, there's like there's zombies. You have uh, uh, venom is down there as well too. Like there's a venom-like creature there, uh, and, and that's where people go to die. When he, when he lifts up, that opens, that breaks that veil there, and then that's when the prophet uh, or Maximus says, "All right, guys, now's our time to strike," and they go in and they start heading towards uh, Doom's castle. Uh, Doom is overseeing this battle. He sends out everybody that he can. He sends out his army of Thors. He sends out his uh, every little scrap that he gets. Um, now, the Thors actually do some infighting because um, some information was leaked about what Doom was actually doing and what actually was going on, uh, especially with the whole Doctor Strange situation. Uh, so the Thors are fighting each other across the front. Uh, we have Apocalypse fighting the Thors and also fighting uh, Prophet as well, too. We have uh, an army of Hulks are just sit out and they just destroy everything. They're on nobody's side. <laughs> and I, I think that's one of my favorite things is just there's an army of Hulks. And it, it's not mentioned really before, but now they're there and they're fighting. Um, the 616 heroes. Now we have... Um, we have uh, Reed Richards, and we also have uh, every uh, the Reed Richards. We have everybody: Spider Man, Thor, um, and I'm missing one. Star Lord. They begin their attack. Black Panther 
what he does is he goes beyond this wall. He breaks another portion of the wall. And he can now control up uh, now control. Uh, he's been being able to do that. He actually gets a little army of undead to follow him to fight for him, which I, I, I think was probably like one of the little coolest things ever is just like no matter what continuity he's in, his powers still work. <laughs> and I didn't even know that was a power. I've only read a little bit of like we were talking yesterday. Uh, Okay, people listening at home are like, yesterday? I don't remember this episode yesterday. No, uh, Christopher Priest, when he was writing on Black Panther, I read a big chunk of his run. But after that, I mm-hmm. didn't. I don't recall him having Power of the Dead. Is this a newer power? Has he always had it? I just didn't know it. It's always been a, it's a title that they bestow upon him. Um, with, the, with the Black Panther mantle comes a lot of things. Uh, let me see. So one of the things uh, with Black Panther is, the, like, with the suit itself, you get that enhanced abilities and whatever, but just having, just being passed down the mantle of Black Panther, you automatically become that much faster, that much stronger, that much better. Huh. Um, let's see. But what one of those things is, uh, I wouldn't say he can normally control the dead, but he can control the dead. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they actually appoint him. Uh, it's actually, um, you know, Black Panther king of the dead that's one of his things like he can con- like that's part of his title um but he can't control that um that's that's crazy <laughs> uh, the other thing is the black panther mantle is uh um uh what i would say ex- exponential so whatever powers and knowledge the previous black panther had the newest one gets all of those nice. plus whatever plus whatever he has <laughs> so i gotta read, uh, I gotta read the- that a lot more you know, especially with the movie coming up, I feel like they're probably building up that world to be something seriously important. I, I, I think they, sh- I think the movie will be done very. My God, good. it's uh, taking like, so long though. I thought it was like gonna be years ago when it came out. It's too uh, like. Let me see. They announced it a couple years back, but it got pushed back a couple times because they're just like, there's not really an interest for it right now. And then when they threw him into um, the Civil War movie, they saw how big it was how everybody was just like yo who is this guy can we get more of black panther please <laughs> um so definitely with that like i think the movies are definitely helping out like especially when you throw in like when you give them a role as such we want more and if what if the black Pan- if, if what we see from civil war what that black panther is if that's anything to go by i think the movie is going to be great nice his, his yeah, well, <laughs> Chadwick Boseman's an excellent actor, so I'm glad they chose somebody that you know could really sell it. Oh man, he it was. I think that it's everything that anybody who's ever known anything about Black Panther could want. Like, uh, he's one of the few superheroes that has been done 100% correct. <laughs> but All we'll right. see, we'll see what they pull out. We'll see what they pull out. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you're, for years, uh, Wesley Snipes wanted it, and they just wouldn't approve that kind of budget and that kind of star or whatever uh and i didn't know if it was ever going to happen i was like well are they going to put it on tv or are they going to part of something else but thankfully i think marvel has been forward thinking uh that, i guess that's why you have to wait forever for a movie they'll announce it like four or five years ahead of time you're just like oh god just do it already <laughs> <laughs> what ideas do they have when they do these things so that's that's my thing but if you rush um, it that's how you end up in trouble like deep mm. <laughs> Oh, man. But to continue, to continue, um, we go from here. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Star-Lord and Reed, they break off. Uh, 
Reed goes to the uh, world tree, the tree that holds up Doom's castle, and uh, Reed goes to the garden. Um, Black Swan follows Star-Lord down to the world tree, um, and the world tree turns out to be grouped. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I was looking into something. I guess there's a collection now called Monstropolis that DC or Marvel's putting out, and they have the very first mm-hmm. appearance of Groot where he was a villain. And that and that's and that is one of the things like um, the the uh, Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy backstory. Um, uh, the original Star Lord was actually Peter Quill's father. Uh, that's that line of uh, the the first Guardians of the Galaxy series is probably one of my favorite ones. Um, before you get like this ragtag team uh, with you know like the people that we know like Peter Quill, Rocket, uh, Groot, uh, but the original line is also i think almost you know they should be as mentioned as the as the uh original uh, as the um the uh <laughs> the second group that came along after let's see but from there so the world tree and this tree is holding up uh doom's castle his entire castle uh it turns out to be groot groot stands up and now he the castle is totally destroyed um reed then goes and he tells uh, he tells Susan uh, about everything that's happened. He's like, Susan, uh, Doom has tricked you. Doom has lied to you. Hey, back on this reality, we are together, and these are our kids. Um, Doom took that from me, and I'm kind of mad about that, and I want it back. <laughs> um, and then a, they show him how he could meet Molecule Man. So Reed Richards and... Reed Richards and the Maker go down to meet Molecule Man, and this is where we get some more humor, where the Maker, who thinks he is a more superior Reed Richards, turns the 616 Reed Richards into a monkey, because he's just like, he's just like I just saw how emotional you got over uh, Sue. There's no way that you could be the next ruler of Battleworld. I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the, a better fit. So Molecule Man, in turn, just said, no, you're not, and totally obliterates uh the maker right then and there <laughs> Reed richards is turned back and he's just like look you got to chill out man you got to calm down because i'm going to bring doom here in just a second um while this is going on while this whole reed richards and meeting with molecule man is going on uh black panther is in full he's in a full fight the infinity gauntlet versus god doom and they are fighting everywhere uh the the panels for their fight are <laughs> Some of the best best uh, pieces of art that are in the Secret Wars. I think everybody should just read the Secret Wars just to see those few little panels where Doctor Doom and and Black Panther are fighting each other. Uh, also, on top of that, we also have Franklin Richards. He is inside of one of the Galactus. He's inside of the Galactus, and he is the only one that can take down the thing. So while he's going in. The thing realizes who's powering the Galactus, and he stops his fight. And he's just like, "Hey, man, I'm not going to fight you because the thing still like the thing still has that heart for the 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 Richards family. He still has that heart for him. So in turn, the Galactus totally kills the thing. Um, that was <laughs> I, I was I was kind of hurt by that because yeah, <laughs> a rough one. But uh, from there, from there, we get um. Doom realizing that this fight between him and Black Panther was a diversion. Um, he realizes it was a diversion. So what he does is he goes back to Molecule Man. And when he gets in Molecule Man's little realm, 
it's Reed Richards and him and Molecule. And Re- and Doctor Doom is just like, you've tried me for the last time, and I'm gonna kill you. And he goes to kill him, but then he realized something. I didn't bring Molecule Man food, so Molecule Man takes his powers away from him. <laughs> something like something so simple, and in like I said, in this very serious, very emotional comic. Since you did not bring Molecule Man food, you lose all your powers. <laughs> well, that was funny. I was kind of surprised. About and, what? And, and now, and now, Doctor Doom and Reed Richards dukes it out like they normally do. And right before, you know, Reed Richards is ready to kill him, uh, they pretty Doom admits that, hey, look, I only tried to save everybody. You couldn't have done the same thing if you had this power. Like I did everything I could to my ability. And Reed Richards says. I could have done better. And right before Reed Richards was going to kill him, Dr. Doom says, you know what? You could have done better than me. <laughs> and that's all Molecule Man needs to hear. He's like, okay, cool. And so he transfers powers to Reed Richards, who then destroys Battle World. And then at the same time this is going on, while Battle World is being destroyed, Black Panther uses the reality gem, and now he's teleported right back to Wakanda. Like, nothing ever happened. <laughs> And from there, we get uh, Reed Richards, his family, you know, they they are totally like they understand what's going on now. And they're responsible for making the new multiverse. And what they're doing is they're making tiny universes. And Franklin Richards is throwing them out there just in random places uh, uh, just to make just to fill the, the universe back up to what it used to be. Molecule Man, in turns, he splits himself off to become more stable, more whole, and he goes with every universe that's out there. Um, and that's pretty much the ending of it, but my my absolute favorite part of all this is that everything is, air quotes, back to normal. And Doctor Doom wakes up at his, at his castle in Latveria, where he's originally from, um, and he takes his mask off. His face is perfect again, and he laughs, and, and he realizes just like, wow, that was that was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then our story ends from right there. So, are, are they but, taking the Fantastic Four out of the universe for a while? Is that what they're doing? From from what I, from what I figure, um, I think they are. From what I figure, it's they're doing it with the they're doing the X Men treatment as well too. Well, X Men treatment's a little bit more harsh. But I think with the Fantastic Four, they're just giving it a break. Um, we should see them back, uh, hopefully, pretty soon here. Um, especially with the fact that uh, Doctor Doom uh, remembers all of this. I'm wondering if it's re- because the whole I've heard this that it's because Fox owns the rights to Fantastic Four and X Men. It's like they're trying to get rid of it, but it seems kind of stupid to think that they would still try to sell the comics that it wouldn't affect the movie sales, movie rights. <laughs> So, uh, I think I touched on this before. With the X-Men comics and the X-Men series, um, with uh, with uh, Marvel Studios saying, hey, look, we want to use some of the heroes from um, for our movie. And, you know, you guys get the rights, you guys get whatever you want to with it, but we want to do this for the fans. And Fox said no. And so Marvel's like, okay, no problem. And so they stopped their comics. They killed, like, literally in, in continuity and in all canon – there are no more mutants. Um, there are no more cartoons. There are no more toys. There's nothing being made that's X-Men related. Huh. Yeah. Like, they, like they, just because it's like, we wanted to put something together for the fans, 
and you guys want to hold on to it because you think you're losing out on money. Like, and so, and so Marvel's like, okay, no problem. You guys can keep your characters, and we're still going to make our movie the way that we're going to make our movie, but we're not making any more X-Men comics. So that's why they killed off all the – like, they pretty much killed off or removed the powers of all the mutants that are in continuity if you check out the Scarlet Witch series. Yeah, it's like because <laughs> if they strip them of the right, of the, the mutant label, then Fox no longer has the rights to those characters, correct? That's part of it as well, too. But it's it's I, I, I would I'm I actually congratulate Marvel for that move because it's um I, I think Fox is being pretty greedy with that. Yeah, <laughs> I, they should combine the universes, and I, I was like, that seems like a choice to not. Even, All right, well, it's your game. We do whatever you gotta do. And, and, and I mean, like, look how well it played off for Spider Man. Yeah. Like Spider Man, like uh, Spider Man movies weren't doing so great, and then they put Spider Man in uh one of the Marvel Studio films, and now Spider Man has a movie coming out, and everybody's excited for it uh, uh I, I expect that movie not to I, I, even if it is a bad movie it's not going to tank as bad as the worst spider-man movie so <laughs> what, what, what do you think is worse uh spider-man 3 or amazing spider-man spider-man 3 yeah that, i've never seen such that, a massive that, screw up it's uh that, that golf phase i mean like and it's just like how did you make spider-man 2 which is like one of the best superhero movies and then drop it down to Spider-Man 3, which is like one of the worst superhero movies. <laughs> well, you know what it is? It's studio interference. That happens every time. Oh. Once they stop, I don't, it's weird. I mean, it's because there's so much money on the line that the studio gets nervous. But if you have a director who did two great movies, back off on the one, seriously. Like, hold off. Don't drop that third movie. The, like, comedy works in threes, but I don't think movies don't really work that well out in threes. Like, you have to definitely pace yourself. You have to make us, like, beg for it. Yeah. You know, I think if, uh, for that third one. A lot of people hate Iron Man 3, but I think it was fine. Uh, I know it changed the mythos of the Mandarin. But uh, Captain America 3 is great. But before that, you could not find a part three of a superhero franchise that was any damn good. Oh, uh, man. Uh, let, me, let me see. Let me see. With the third let me third installments of movies, I think, let me see. If we do Star Wars, Star Wars is a, that third movie is a solid one. It's a well, really solid I'm actually turn. talking just strictly superhero. You got <laughs> Superman 3, where they added Richard mm -hmm. Pryor and it kind of fell apart. You have okay. uh, Batman Forever, where they went all neon glow and bat nipples. <laughs> um, you have X-Men. Uh, was it Last Stand? Last Stand. Which Jeez, I don't hate, was... but it's not the best by any means. Um, then you got Blade Trinity, bad. which is a mess. Um, trying to think. Uh, but it's, it's Spider-Man 3, of course. It just seems like around the third entry, something goes wrong. I think the third. I think the third entry just. I want to say it applies for almost anything. <laughs> most media. <laughs> Some. I mean, you can pull it out, but your successes on that third one will not be as great as the first one. <laughs> I'm telling you right now that Tokyo Drift is the best of the fast. <laughs> <laughs> Tokyo Drift was the best Fast and Furious movie of all time, and will never be topped again. <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah that's it's a hell of a story um but it is it is time i think for marvel to kind of clean the slate and kind of reconfigure their universe because like i said they're trying to make you believe that since 1962 these characters have only aged 10 years and you're like uh no because you literally read a storyline it's set in vietnam or it's set during the 70s i'm like these guys have disco clothes on how am i supposed to buy that it's still the same <laughs> world needs the same people <laughs> The, the the reset was like I said it was needed it's bittersweet um, but I think it, it 
it is a good addition because we do get, you know, a more fleshed out storyline. We do get, you know, they get to touch on minor details, bigger details, whatever they need to. Um, I, I, like I said, I love the idea of it. Um, it is bittersweet, but we, it changes good. <laughs> All right. So that brings us to the end of this episode. Our next episode is going to be a kind of a mini sode. It's going to be about Moon Knight. Uh, it's going to be a very specific story called Lunatic, which you suggested. And uh, that'll probably be uh, any time now. Uh, you'll get done listening to this, and hey, it'll be another one. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, you know what? That sounds perfect. Like, um, I really did enjoy that story, too, with Lunatic. Oh, man. It was... Whew, all over the place. Yeah. Loved it. it it's, it's surprisingly, you know, Crisis on Infinite Earths is another one of those long, meaty stories, but I think it was easier to access, but man, they got so many characters in there. Okay, hold on a second. I'm looking at the cover here. Now, this has been bugging me. I don't recall Machine Man ever being in the comic, yet he's on the cover. Prominently. What What they want you, what, they, what I figured out is this. What they want you to do is this. With Secret Wars 2015, um, Whatever hero you had, whatever hero you saw, whatever hero was there, they were all there in whatever fight, in whatever battle. Um, as far as did you see them? No. Um, like they even gave a nod out to um, to uh, what's what's his name? They even gave a nod out to Ultron. Like Ultron, there there's a there's a group of Ultron robots that live out in the Deadlands. And with every couple of years or so, they get smarter and crazier and more rampant. It's those little things like that, you know. Um, uh, the Beyonders are in there, and then the Beyonder is in there as well, too. Uh, you got your Galactus, you got your Thor, you got your Thors, the Hulk. Uh, everybody's there, but they have cameos. <laughs> Well, it's a hell of a story, and I highly suggest everybody check it out. Uh, it might be harder for people who haven't really dived into the Marvel Universe yet, but hey, I think you'll figure it out. And um, thank you, Avery, for this episode. Is there anything you want to pitch before we go? Oh, no, nah, you know, it's been a good one, but I have nothing on my plate right now. Okay. <laughs> and check out his group, Outer Heaven, on Facebook, and check out our uh, page uh, on Retro Rocket Entertainment, and it has all the podcasts. That we have. Thank you, everybody, and have a good night. You too, guys. Peace. Peace.